Leading Britain's conversation. You're listening to a podcast of The Steve Allen Show from LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to be company. Thursday, 30th of March. Typical, isn't it? Typical. Paul Smith then goes, it's going to be 21 degrees today. And I'm going to go, I said to him, I said, is it really going to be 21 degrees? He went, yeah, it's going to be the hottest day of the year. You better take your shirt off. I thought, in your dreams. Not happening for me as far as I'm concerned. But it would be nice to think, wouldn't it? That by this afternoon, we might actually get that sort of burst of sunshine coming through. I could do with a, a little bit of rain, though. just occasionally a little bit of rain, just, you know, overnight. And then by the time we get to the morning, it could sort of dry up. Uh, Visibility is very good today. I love the way they say that. They always say visibility good, don't they? And uh, they reckon by three o'clock this afternoon, 21 degrees. By four o'clock, it's down. And, uh, and then it's sort of, it's roundabout. It's cloudy, actually. Cloudy after about six o'clock. So make the most of it this morning, because uh, it's OK. Five o'clock, a little bit cloudy, but then it would be, and it's also fairly dark. And uh, you get to 11 o'clock, and that's when the sunshine lasts for a few hours. So let's make the most of it, eh? I was saying yesterday. Yesterday I was in a very good place. Here. Um, no, everybody was very nice yesterday. I don't know why. It was just one of those days. You know, I did tweet, actually. You know, there's an awful lot of love around at the moment. And it had nothing to do with Brexit. I was waiting for some backlash from, from Brexiteers or anybody talking about sort of Brexit yesterday, which was like, Brexit again, Brexit again. And so hopefully, I, think, I don't know what people thought was going to happen. They'd, I think perhaps people think, you know, those people who were ill-informed, of which there are many, it appears, uh, obviously thought that something very, very exciting was going to happen yesterday. And it didn't. It was just a letter that was then sent on. Uh, the most exciting thing that happened yesterday was the fact that it happened yesterday. Uh, Lily Allen. I'm a bit bored with Lily Allen, actually. I know she's got her fans and I don't, you know. But I think if, if you're a Popsicle star, be a Popsicle star. Don't don't waste everybody's time by um, by sort of... By sort of saying, you know, this is this is the way things are, because she seems to have blamed it on everything. I didn't see Colleen wearing an outfit on Lucy Min. It looked like she was wearing sort of like a, I don't know, a ch- it's like a dressing gown, isn't it, really? That's the sort of chavvy outfit she wears, because there's so much of her. You've got to cram it into something. And uh, it was just bizarre. The trouble is, I thought she was coming off the television. I've obviously got this wrong. I thought she was trying to save a marriage. So, you know, if it all goes pear-shaped... I think she's only got herself to blame because she's not a very good presenter. She's she's what I call average, very, very average. She was never anybody who... I don't think she sang on any Nolan's hits at all. I think she was way too young. The Nolan's had all their hits years ago. Um, but we know lots about the family because they're well documented. And, uh, and she just sat on Big Brother eating, drinking and smoking. And you think to yourself, well, the smoking bit's not very good. You shouldn't just be eating... And the drinking, I understand what people do. I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm not deriding that in any way, shape or form. I'm just sort of thinking to myself, if she's supposed to be a role model and she wants to save her marriage, which she's droned on about ad infinitum, stay off the blooming television. And yet here she is doing the same thing. It's a lot of old codswallop, really. It's my favourite word at the moment, codswallop. It's like, I cannot understand the George Michael funeral. What have the family got an issue with Faddy for? You know, I mean, they weren't sleeping with him, were they? no. He was George Michael's boyfriend for four years. Why had the family gone all funny against him? Is there something we don't know about this? Perhaps they're a horrible family. I don't know. I'm just wondering why he wasn't allowed to go to the wake. He was, what did he say? He found George in bed on Christmas Day. The family just sort of, mm, talk about that. you know, perhaps there's something the matter with them. Perhaps they all sort of close ranks or something. But uh, who else wasn't there? Well, I didn't see any pictures of Jerry Halliwell. And we were told by the papers that little little Jerry 
Horner, as is now, uh, was going to do the reading. Who did the reading? I've got no idea, because they put tarpaulins up all the way around the uh, the cemetery. It's a, I, I never understand why they would do something like this, unless they've sold the pictures to a magazine. In which case, it would be rather bizarre. I've never heard of people selling a funeral. But you're not going to see anything. You're just going to see people standing around while they lower a coffin into the ground. I'm assuming that's what it was, unless it was something different. They moved the coffin in overnight, so that people wouldn't uh, wouldn't sort of know about it. Uh, they didn't want the the fans there. Quite rightly so. It's a family affair. It's got nothing to do with anything else. But, but what I found odd, and I said yesterday, and I think I probably said it the day before too, is that um, the family had been very quiet about having the funeral. They didn't want to say anything about it. Faddy was told by apparently a journalist from The Sun, and he went there. They didn't bar him from the funeral. How can you bar him? It was his boyfriend for four years. Not like four days or four months. Four years. So what happens, isn't it? In a lot of these cases, they go, well, we don't want you around us. Of course, it'll be interesting if when we read George's will, he's left everything to Faddy. That'll be very funny. I shall laugh at that one. But uh, they went there, but there was no... Do you remember the, the cousin? Is it Giorgio, Andrea, whatever it is the, the cousin's called, who's not a cousin at all? He's just one who was flogging stories about, oh, yeah, Faddy will not be allowed to the funeral. Well, he went to the funeral. So wrong on that one, fat boy. Wrong on that one. And uh, as I say, don't see any pictures of you there, so I'm assuming you weren't there. You wouldn't have been invited, but uh, they all went there. Martin Kemp went there. I don't know if Roman went. I don't think so. Um, and we had uh, uh, Shirley and Pepsi. Andrew Ridgely was there. It was a small gathering. It was probably about 20 to 30, and uh, it was all conducted very decently, which is exactly how they wanted it. The trouble is, now they've had the funeral... You can go to Highgate Cemetery and you can see exactly... You can go to the grave if you want, if you can find it. Shouldn't be too too difficult to find. And I'm sure people will go there and take pictures and people will put it up online. So, it, it can't, you know, unless you're doing something which is a cremation and you're scattering the ashes, in which case there's nothing to see at all. But if you're having a burial, there's something there, isn't there? So I'm assuming that's, uh, that's what the fans will be, uh, will be doing later on today. But up until, I think yesterday, for the funeral, they had... Uh, they had... Um, Security guards all round the place. Seems odd, doesn't it, for a funeral, security guards. Always kind of, you know, George was quite private in his life. He was sort of public in his, in his persona, but quite private in his life. And, um, and, that's, and that's how it ended up. He ended up with security men and tarpaulins covering trees and bushes and gates to make sure that people didn't look in at his final resting place. All very odd. Very, very strange. I'm sure more will emerge over the next few, uh, few weeks and months. Uh, Harry uh, Prince, Harry, says he's been trained to help mental health patients. Wow, when did he do that? I kept that one quiet. How did, he, how did he do that? And do you remember the two boys who stole from Auschwitz? And uh, they'd been fined in court. I'll tell you how much they were fined. It wasn't enough as far as I'm concerned. They actually, th- they were on a school trip. They have lots of school trips to Auschwitz. These were British boys. I'll tell you the school and the boys. And they got fined. It wasn't, wasn't really a huge amount of money, but they stole from one of the sheds there. I mean, that is absolutely verboten. Absolutely, that is... I'm sorry. You've sunk about as low as you can possibly go. It doesn't get any better. Oh, no. Nancy Delusional here. Poor old Nancy, who looks like she's had a lot of work done. In fact, she looks like she's had a lot of work done. Because if somebody showed you a picture and went, who's that, you wouldn't know it was her. Because the early pictures of Nancy Delolio, um, she's uh, bad hair... Bad makeup, um, just bad everything, bad sense of, of fashion. And so looking at the pictures here, she looks like she's had a complete facelift. Mind you, she's vanished for ages, hasn't she? She's not been in the papers for a long time. So maybe she's sort of looked at herself in the mirror and went, I think I need work done, because she does look different. 
completely different. She's still wearing another ridiculous... She looks like a pair of neck curtains that's not been drawn properly. That's what she looks like in this sort of dress here. And, um, as I say, I don't know why people bother inviting her to anything. It's very... She didn't contribute anything, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, the florist, who we mentioned the other day, yes, stick gate, goes on a little bit, uh, with people saying it's just sticks, and the woman who runs the shop going, they're not sticks... It works of art. No, there's sticks, dear, with holes drilled in them. We know what they are. But um, a lot of people say here, looks like the dog's chewed at least a tenner's worth. And uh, somebody said, called Dawn, hipsters will buy any old tat as long as it's pricey and artisan. Have you noticed? That's the word. Art- I mean, I'm thinking of renaming this show Steve Allen's Artisan Radio Show. I don't know what it means, but I'm just thinking that I should be artisan. Because just down here the other day, there's a new... Um, a new delicatessen that's opened up. And, um, and, uh, and they've got artisan coffee and artisan bread. What is it? What is it? I mean, I don't know. It's expensive bread, isn't it? Wow. Handcrafted. Wow. Your own artisan bread. Handcrafted, a loving way. <laughs> oh, I could see that one. Linda says, one article I read said Jerry did the eulogy. No, it didn't. What it said was she was going to do the eulogy. It's not mentioned in any of the papers. I don't think she was there. And both the Kemp children were there. No, they weren't. Where are you reading this rubbish, Linda? They weren't there. Martin was there and his wife. No, no, no. Their daughter was there. But uh, Roman wasn't there, as far as I can see. No pictures. Nothing of Roman at all. He'd have been working. He'd have been working anyway. So, uh, and uh, you didn't read any article, Linda, as you know, saying Jerry did the eulogy. What they said was she was supposed to be doing it because Andrew originally turned it down. I don't think they needed a eulogy. They had a, they had a priest in uh, who was known to the family, and I, I don't think there was anything like that at all. Mind you, we shall find out later on. But uh, definitely uh, George's godchildren, not there. I don't know how many godchildren he's got. Is he one of these people who's got loads of... We shall find out, actually, how many godchildren he's got. George Michael's godchildren. We know one is Roman. I'm not sure who the other ones are. Quite Elton John, he's got loads of godchildren. Will they benefit in his will? Probably not. Mm. Sorry, I've just got this cold cup of coffee this morning, which I've decided is helping me out a bit. I quite like a cold cup of coffee. It's supposed to be good for you. They do it in one of the uh, one of the coffee shops. Who doesn't pay as much tax as they should be? And they do they do thing right. So Michael was godfather to Roman. He was god parent to a number of his celebrity friends' children, who they say are now thought to have been left a share of his £100 million estate. No chance. No chance. He d- I don't think... I mean, I don't think the will was changed recently. Uh, they say here he was godfather to Roman and Harley Moon Kemp, the children of uh, Shirley and Martin Kemp. They say he's also expected to leave money to uh, Jerry's daughter, Bluebell, who was goddaughter of his ex-boyfriend, Kenny Goss. I wonder if he's left Kenny Goss anything. This is what's going to be interesting, isn't it? And there's a, a picture of them all uh, out there, but this is, uh, but not at the, uh, not at the funeral. They say here, Michael's older sisters, Melanie and Yoda, his boyfriend Faddy, and his cousin Andros uh, are expected to be named in the will. Well, he's not his cousin, is he? That's the trouble. He's just made up. Uh, as well as large sums from royalties, he's understood to own four properties, and uh, he also invested his money with the help of ex-boyfriend art dealer Kenny Goss. But that's in a foundation. We know about that. That's over in America. It's not here at all. I think it'll be interesting. I think this is going to be very interesting. I'd love to read the will, wouldn't you? I'd love to find out who he's left his money to. Because if he didn't change the will, this is an early, an early will. 
So who would he have left his money to? I mean, if he did a if he did a will four years ago, very interesting, very interesting. But uh, so um, we don't think Jerry Halliwell was there. If she was, she was in disguise, because there was no pictures of her anywhere in the papers, and the papers very good at getting pictures of people arriving, but she wasn't she wasn't in any of the pictures at all. So uh, we'll find out. But they said um, Jerry Jerry will sing at her own funeral. That's what she didn't. She say that she was going to be having. We, we did that a few few weeks back. Very slow. Some of the newspapers. Uh, we actually told you that ages ago that she'd said she wanted to sing. But they say Jerry Horner will give a reading. This was written on March the nineteenth. Well, there's no mention of that at all. We don't know if it happened. Uh, we don't know anything about that at all. As I say, there's not one picture of Jerry Halliwell in the papers, and she's not exactly the sort of person who would be shy at having a picture taken. However, moving on to other news. We've got a Victoria Beckham story. It's so exciting. I know, I know, I know. It's merely been hours since we mentioned the delightfully talented Beckham family. But uh, we've now got something uh, even more interesting that old Victoria Beckham might be out singing again. Uh, do you know, I can't even remember any of Victoria Beckham's hit singles that she had. Um, she had, I think she had hit singles. Didn't she have something with... Um, um, I can't remember his name now. Didn't there's some bloke who had a relationship with some? I don't know. I can't remember what I'm talking about here. I'm just rambling on in my usual happy-go-lucky style. I'm just pretty certain she had a very famous producer. Uh, <coughs> the first one. Oh, see, I don't. Okay, you'd be hard pushed. Three singles ever. Uh, the first one in 2001 got to number six, uh, and it was called "Not Such an Innocent Girl." The second one, 2002, she was nothing if not persistent, a mind of its own. And the third and final one in 2003, this groove, forward slash, let your head go. That's exciting, isn't it? And that's exactly what she's done. So uh, so she had these singles. Oh, she had Out of Your Mind. Yeah, that uh, Out of Your Mind. I can't remember. That's right. Dane Bowers featured on it. And we all know about Dane Bowers, don't we? Uh, so that was True Steppers and Dane Bowers featuring Victoria Beckham. Now, whether or not she was uh, she was sampled, as I'm sure she has been. Uh, no, I'm sure she has. Been. Seriously, I mean, I, you, know, you would sample her. But I couldn't sing any of her records. Isn't it funny? I couldn't sing any. Mind you, there was only sort of three of them. So there was another one here. Other appearances. Whatcha talking about? The English is dreadful, isn't it, on some of these things? This Groove... And I wish. But uh, I'm not really too sure about some of these things. But anyway, she's going to be singing again. And where's she going to be singing? In the seat next to Mr Corden. She's going to be doing uh, carpool karaoke. And so she's already telling people, because she's very excited, because she's about the last one to be asked. Because they've asked everybody, including Winnie the Pooh, to do this thing. They've all done it, you know, everybody's done it. And uh, eventually they get around to Victoria Beckham. Her excuse will be from her people, she's been far too busy to do it. Yeah, right. She's so desperate. She would kill to get this. She would kill to get it. But uh, they say she's an English pop music singer. I'm not totally convinced. Um, I'm not totally convinced. Oh, she had two, oh, two cancelled albums. God. Oh, the record label went back. Oh, blimey. What are they? But if, if you've got a cancelled album, does that mean somebody else can actually go and do it? Somebody else can actually sort of. Um, you, so somebody could sort of buy that album. Somebody says Roman was there. Pictures of him have emerged. We're just having a check online. We're not, we're not totally convinced of this yet. We need to see these things. It's not in any of the papers. 
Not in, unless they're doing early papers and then later papers. Uh, Chris in Ottershaw says perhaps the San in artisan is foreign for for hearty. Could be actually. I don't know. I keep seeing the word everywhere. Everywhere you go, it's artisan bread, artisan coffee, artisan beans, artisan this, artisan that. And I never knew what it was apart from it's a wee bit more expensive than everything else. Uh, Dean says, very interesting programme on Channel 4 last night about Prince Charles and the strained relationship with the Queen. Yes, yeah, so they have their they're poles apart, but he has to... Um, oh, apparently artisan is pronounced artisan. Artisan. Is that artisan? That makes it sound very posh, doesn't it, really? I've never tried it, or if I have, I've sort of, uh, I've sort of had it without without knowing about it. Okay, needed quick uh, quick time check. Have you found any pictures? We can't find any pictures at all, so um, I don't know about that one. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. I was tweeting yesterday. I, I tweeted and said, "Do join me from four o'clock." Everybody else does, uh, which is nice. We still have the spike. Thank you very much indeed. Tony wants to know how. Posh Spice got into the Spice Girls. All she ever did was prance around. Um, they were assembled, weren't they? They were an assembled group. They were locked up in a house for ages to rehearse their uh, their little dance routines and everything else. But I think in the, I'll tell you what you want, what you really, really want, you don't get Victoria Beckham for ages. I mean, she doesn't feature singing in it for oh, quite a few minutes into the song. But it was a good video and they worked very hard at it. And that's when they were sort of, but they, they were all put together. They were assembled by men. There was no, you know, girl power, all this kind of... There was nothing like that at all. Uh, we can't find any pictures, any pictures of Roman yesterday. But he was not here yesterday. So he might have been there, but there aren't any pictures. We've, we've searched, we've trawled the internet for pictures of Roman Kemp. Did you try Roman Kemp at George Michael's funeral? Nothing. See, nothing at all. Isn't that funny? And normally the internet's very good at finding that. That would find it quickly. But he wasn't here yesterday. We do know that. Sai uh, says, my Uncle Mike's take on artisan bread is you buy a loaf of brown bread from the supermarket, stick a walnut in the middle and charge a fiver for it. There you go. Artisan bread or artisan. Artisan coffee is even more pretentious by the sound of it. Why are we going for all this rubbish? Why are we going for it? Uh, Scott was the one who tells it's artisan. It's the Emperor's new clothes, isn't it? You know, oh, they look really lovely on you. The King is in the all together, the all together, the all together, all together. Um, we can't find anything. Was that you texting a minute ago? Did you just text me? How many phones have you got out there on the news desk? This is obviously a new phone. I know it was, but we can't. There's no. There's no pictures. There's no pictures of Roman at all. There. I would have thought he would have been in the car with his mum. And his sister and his dad, but there weren't there weren't any pictures. Seeing as he's a godson, I would expect to be pictures somewhere, wouldn't I? And we'd also expect to see. Oh, there is a picture, is there? Have we found it? Oh, there he is. He's in a car. Who's he with? Oh, it's, there's his dad. There's his. That looks a bit scary. That picture, doesn't it? Your dad's looking over your shoulder. So there we go. Yes, it is. He looks even younger with a tie on, doesn't he? He looks even younger. And how much younger can you look in this business? The answer is very young if you're Roman Kemp. Oh, so he did go. I can't wait to see this will. I'm seriously, I mean, it's just really bizarre. All the nice pictures coming out of Faddy and George together. And yet, for some reason, the family kind of sort of a bit indifferent to him. Bit of a shame, really, isn't it? But there you go. You can never work out families, ladies and gentlemen. Never work out. Uh, Steve, uh, trying to work out who's the most smug, arrogant, pretentious person at the moment. James Corden or Stephen Fry? Neither. Neither. 
I think they're one. I think James Corden has absolutely nailed it in America. And Stephen Fry, I mean, you know, I don't think you'd ever say he was arrogant because that's just him. He doesn't isn't need to play arrogant or pretentious or anything like that. He just knows everything. He's one of these lucky people. It's like any of the people, any of the eggheads. When you watch them, they just know the answer. They had a guy on the other day, and he, he, he's a little bit like Daphne, a little bit like Daphne, chatting away about this. And I thought, he just knows the answer to everything. There's, there's nothing he didn't know. I was very disappointed. They had, it was a girl team. They were, they were opposite. And I thought the girls were going to be really good. On a few of them, they weren't bad, and then it just started going wrong, so three of them got knocked out. Because I, I quite like that, actually. I reckon that, uh, says Dennis, uh, Artisan. I don't think it's pronounced artisan. We think it's artisan. Uh, it's a way of char- charging more for products or a passing fad, like pulled pork. Yes, pulled pork. Have you ever heard of anything so ridiculous in your entire life? So what are we having today? We're having pulled pork. Yeah, it's shredded pork, all right? You can just do it yourself. Do some pork, shred it with a fork. That's pulled pork, OK? Stick on some sauce or something like that, and it's probably pulled pork artisan way. Ridiculous. And um, uh, Ian says, I had no idea Lily Allen was such an expert at politics. Oh, God, she's a she's a shining light in the firmament, ladies and gentlemen. Lily Allen rises like the phoenix from the ashes. Yes, I'm going to take in a Syrian refugee. I'm going to take somebody from the from the, the camp in France. Did she? No, she didn't. I'm going to make sure I drive an eco-friendly car. Did she? No, she didn't, I'm afraid. She just tells lies and more lies. It's ridiculous. You know, it's one of those sort of things, but she gets the coverage in the papers. I think James O'Brien likes her. He's, he's sort, of, a, sort of a bit of a fan, but there you go. Uh, 84850. So Linda says, so what do you say, Steve? Sorry, Linda, you're right about the godchildren. Absolutely not. Never Apologise? Are you mad? Are you mad? What, say I'm... S- I can't even say it. Look, when you, the word will not come out. I'm very... S- see? doesn't work. I never apologise. Never apologise. Why would I apologise? Why don't see? Just doesn't. I cannot get the word out. I'll try it another way. I really was again. The word is not coming out, Linda. I'm sorry about that. I did my best, but you know, I never ever apologise. You should know that actually. If you've listened to this program for anything more than three minutes, I never. I'm like Mary Poppins. You know, I'm practically perfect in every way. Uh, Leon says, how come Steve Allen doesn't discuss sport? Where have you been? We've just done the last two programmes devoted entirely to sport. What are you, stupid or something? Where do we get these people from? I've done nothing but talk about sport. I spent most of my time talking the other day about Chelsea, locked in this wrangle over which striker will be their top summer target. I think because the boss, Antonio Conte... I mean, how much further do you want me to go into these sort of things? Uh, Also, Alexis Sanchez throwing that, uh, that gauntlet down to Arsene Wenger. I mean, you know, I don't know whether I think he'll leave Arsenal. I'm not too sure about it, actually. I mean, I mean, if they match the ambitions of Alexis Sanchez, then I think he, he will stay. I think he will stay there. That's one of those... I don't know where you get this from, Leon. You're obviously listening to something else. You, you're back on those sort of dodgy cigarettes or something. And I'm doing scores this weekend as well. I mean, God, how much more sport do you want? At the moment, I'm doing eight days a week. You know, I'm doing sport as well. In fact, I'm booked in. I don't want to spoil your day, but I'm booked in to do the sex show in about three months' time. So, <laughs> Steve Allen's take on the sex show. I don't know what you're listening to, Leon. I mean, dear Lord above. You need to get out there. I mean, I'm all over the place at the moment. There's nothing I cannot talk about. There's nothing. I'm just, as I say, I'm Mary Poppins. Practically perfect in every single way. 
Uh, somebody says, uh, Ian had no idea she was an expert. I'm off to have an, an artisan bacon butty and a tea. Oh, I don't think you can have artisan tea. Unless it's served in a soup bowl. In which case, I did go into a place once and the coffee was served in a... It was down at um, St Pancras Station. The coffee was served in a bowl. You had to pick it up with two hands. <clears throat> there was no handle. I thought maybe mine had dropped off and was in there, so I was ferreting around in the bowl trying to find it. But uh, it wasn't. It's called posh. It's like people who serve you breakfast on a piece of board. You know, and you go, oh, it's, it's very posh, and you should be very grateful that we're serving you on a piece of wooden board. Did you have, have you had a look at the picture, by the way, of uh, Nancy Delusional? She's definitely had work done. There's definitely work. That is not Nancy Delusional that we know. Unless the original Nancy Delusional has sort of passed on and put somebody else up in place of it. It doesn't look the same at all. Look, I mean... You look at Nancy Delusional there on the left, and you look at that picture... Well, actually, the picture of the paper... The picture of the paper's a bit sort of... She's had work done. I mean, she does look like an upside-down pelmet, I'm afraid. It's... Oh, no, she does look old. Oh, my God, Father, that's a dreadful picture. Oh, she'll have that one censored. My God, how old is she? 70? 75? 80? No, she's apparently only 55. Dear Lord. I don't know why they bother... What, what is she... What is she about? What does she do... Nothing. She just sort of hovers around like a bad smell. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to be company. Thursday, uh, the 30th of March. Martin says, I've started to wear Creed aftershave, thanks to you. Thinking maybe a gentleman's fashion stroke fragrance segment in the future. Apparently, now I heard this from my friend Toby the other day. When somebody says, what are you wearing? You're not supposed to tell them. I mean, and I said, where did you get this from? And he said, Mark Wright. I said, poo-pooed that one straight away. So in other words, if somebody says, oh, that's nice aftershave you're wearing, you just go, thank you, and walk away. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. I mean, if, if somebody likes your aftershave or perfume, I always go, what's that? That's lovely. That's really nice. And then you go, oh, it's brute or something. Um, and so you go, oh, that's very, very expensive. No, 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 you get a vat of it for about 12 pence. And uh, so people like that kind of thing. You know, I remember buying Brute years ago when it was fashionable. It was, well, I say it was fashionable. I think it was the first commercially available fragrance for men. That's after Liberace was dragged through the high courts because they thought he was a little bit poovy. And, um, and, and one of the things that signified the fact that they thought he was a, a little bit gay, in fact, more than a little bit gay, uh, was the fact that he wore scent. They didn't call it aftershave. It was called scent. And they asked him in court, you know, do you wear scent? Yes, I wear scent, he says. I like to, to smell nice for my ladies. Of course, I mean, Liberace was gay as a goose, as everybody knows. But uh, in those days, nobody came out and said anything. And the only person who ever outed Liberace was a columnist called Cassandra, who was a man hiding behind a woman's name, uh, who wrote about Liberace and called him this mother heap of mother love you know, multi-flavoured ice cream and all the rest of it, basically saying he was as camp as the proverbial Christmas tree and why didn't he come out? In those days, the papers used to out people. You know, not unsimilar to today. Not unsimilar to today. They'll phone somebody out and say, we've got this story that uh, you pick somebody up in a nightclub. Do you, want to, do you want to tell us exclusively and we'll do the story for you? I've known no end of uh, pop columnists who do those, uh, those kind of stories. Very tacky. Very, very tacky. Uh, also, uh, unsalted nuts could be good for your heart. So you have a meal and then you have some unsalted peanuts and apparently that's good for your heart. So that's good, isn't it? I think that's quite a good idea. And I'm not wild about peanuts. I prefer cashews, given the choice. It's like the other day I was telling you, uh, grapefruit is very good for you. 
before a meal, you have grapefruit. So you have grapefruit as your starter, which a lot of people used to have. I know nowadays it's prawn cocktail or prawn toast or something like that, or some little sort of itsy-bitsy thing with sort of sauce drizzled over the top of it. And, um, and I remember thinking... You know, if I could eat grapefruit, which I can't, um, that would be the that would be the way forward because it acts, I think, as an appetite suppressant. And so what it does is it sort of stops you eating too much food because it's not the amount of food you're eating. What it is, it's um, it's the food you're eating. It is the food. It's it's either good for you or not. Uh, Beth says you're now grasshoppering. What does that, that mean? Grasshoppering. What does that mean? Does that, does that mean something? I don't know what it means. Grasshoppering. I haven't got any grass. What's grasshoppering? What you were saying about charks. Do you mean Charles? Uh, artisan is a gimmick just now, says Beth. Are these people on medication or something? What does that mean? I don't understand any of that at all. Uh, grasshoppering. It says, and uh, when you've freshly shaved your legs and find yourself rubbing them across each other like a male grasshopper. How does that affect me? We still don't get it at all. I finally bought a new razor yesterday and had been surreptitiously grasshoppering at my desk today. What? They had uh, that Jamie Lang, you know, OK, yeah, uh, Jamie Lang, you know, made in, uh, made in Chelsea, oldest swinger in town. And his, he, he had a conversation. And in the same way that little poor old Joey Essex comes up with these ludicrous words, you know, like ream and sick, and all, which nobody uses. Nobody ever says these. It was just made up to make him sound sort of even more stupid than he does at the moment. And, um, and do you know what the one was for the little boy for uh, Jamie Lang? Do you know, if I said to you, nice rig. Exactly. He thinks everybody like a kind of knows what that means. Nice rig means, well, I thought it meant you've got a nice oil rig in the middle of the North Sea or you've got a nice truck. No, according to poor, bewildered Jamie Lang, it means body. And he looked round the studio and he went, oh, surely everybody knows that. And they went, no. <laughs> he was so stupid. So stupid. Uh, Leon says you should try, uh, is it Old Wood by Tom Ford? No, I'm quite happy with my, uh, with my aftershave. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, as I will be doing, and I have done beauty programmes on LBC for the past 30 years. In fact, I was the one that pioneered beauty programmes on LBC. As indeed, you know, I'll probably be... Uh, I mean, I'm looking at uh, this uh, Oud Wood. It's, it's 225 £225. It's way too cheap. Might be all right for you, Leon. I'm a bit classier. I, I wear stuff a bit more expensive than that. 225 is just... It's on the lower end of the scale. For peasants. For pe chaffy peasants. People who sort of do uh, fancy things. They, they, they say it's rare and exotic and distinctive. No, no, it's not rare or exotic or, or, or distinctive. Apparently, it, uh, it's got one of the most rare, precious and expensive ingredients in a, in a perfumier's arsenal. Oud wood is often burnt in an incense-filled temple. Oh, God. Who on earth wants to smell like an incense-filled temple? Goodness sake. It's a smoky blend of rare oud wood, sandalwood and vetiver. Tonka bean, tonka bean, and amber add warmth and sensuality, infused with the rare and distinct scent of oud wood. 225. It sounds a bit naff, doesn't it, really? I'm afraid. I'm not going for that one at all. I'm sorry. It might be good enough for you, pal, but it's not good enough for me. We're, we're at the other end of the scale. We're at the proper big boy stuff at the end of the scale. Apparently, read the artisan trend... Uh, it seems to be the new version of the old M&S tendency of using about 20 adjectives and a product name to increase the price. 
Well, that was like oakum chicken, isn't it, at Marks and Spencer's? It doesn't exist. There is no breed of chicken called oakum. There is no place or anything. It's, they just made it up to make it sound a bit more exciting. So you think that you're buying something from a, a sweet little old farm somewhere, whereas, in fact, we know about Marks and Spencer's chickens because they didn't do very well in the bacteria test. So uh, I'm afraid I've had to stop buying chicken from there. It's probably available in other places, but I don't know. I think, you know, if, if they have cheap chicken... One of these cheap chicken shops, you know that it's it's very cheap chicken. Very. Um, heads. It's Jesus. They found a, a coin. Uh, the face of a warrior king who was Christ, claims an author. And uh, they say it looks though like he's got a, a, a crown of thorns or something on it. It doesn't look like that at all to me. It really doesn't. Uh, it's been hailed, they say, as the true portrait of Christ. Uh, after 30 years of research, the author, Ralph Ellis... Claims Jesus and Isis Mamu are the same person. He studied both figures. God, honestly. It's always somebody, isn't it? It's like somebody, what did somebody say a while ago? And the, and the media went, yeah, right. We think we found Noah's Ark. Really? Where is it, dear? It's on top of a mountain in Turkey or something. Really? What, Noah's Ark? Well, God, how big is it? Uh, quite big, enough to get all the animals on two by two. Well, how many animals? There must be millions in the world. Can't have had every single animal on there. They've made enough films about it, but I sort of, I, one half of me was a bit excited that we might have found something of biblical proportions out there. And it was something that we could all think, wow, we've actually found, we've actually found Noah's Ark. It's like finding the walls of Jericho or something like that, uh, or the Ark of the Covenant, or even better, even better, the, um, the Crown of Thorns. That was placed on his head. I mean, that that would be that would be something, you know, to go. Wow, look what we found! We found the crown of thorns. That's why everybody poo-pooed the shroud of Turin, saying it was the biggest fake going. It was done years and years ago, but fake it really was. Because, as I said to you before, and it's it's a very simple premise on the shroud of Turin, which was claimed to be the shroud that the body of Christ was wrapped in. Um, if it really was. If it really was, then the Pope would be sleeping with it in his room. It would be the holiest relic, the holiest relic. Oakham is a village in Rutland. Yeah, but it's got nothing to do with, there's no, there's no farm there or anything like that. It's just, it's a made up name for their uh, chicken. I know Rutland. In fact, there used to be a group called the Ruttles. Should be the Ruttles years ago. I can't remember why I know that or how that's popped into my mind. They were a Beatles parody group, weren't they? That's all I know about them. I don't know anything else. I don't know. I just remember the Ruttles. That's all I remember. I watched a really odd programme on the television this morning. They were looking at uh, the way the Spanish celebrate the tomato by throwing it at each other. And it was this village that they all go through and they throw tomatoes. Seems a dreadful waste of uh, food. Uh, so the, uh, I think George Harrison appeared in a mockumentary, the Rutland Weekend television thing. And... Um, that's all I can tell you about. The rock, a rock parody comedy rock rock and roll group created by Eric Idle and Neil Innes. Uh, they became an actual group. They did release many songs and album and two UK chart hits. That's quite nice, isn't it? Eric Idle, Ricky Fatar, Ollie Halsell, David Batty, Andy Brown, Mickey Simmons and Mark Griffiths. The members were uh, Phil Jackson, Jay Goodrich, Elliot Randall, Ken Thornton, Thornton, uh, John Halsey and Neil Innes. They were associated with sort of things like the Bonzo Dog Doodah Band. I'm the urban spaceman, baby. All that kind of stuff when we were all going through our doolally phase. Nice, isn't it? Rutland Weekend Television.
all I remember about it. I don't remember anything else. But there was a, a second film, The Ruttles 2, Can't Buy Me Lunch. Can't buy me lunch. And so it went on. But they had all sorts of uh, songs. There was a songbook. There was an EP. Quite a few EPs. So there you go. I don't know why I mentioned it. There's no logical reason why it crept in on the programme. I'm just proving to you that I can be very dexterous at quarter to five in the morning. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. Um, Stickgate is still going. We uh, highlighted this a couple of days ago on the programme. And it's, um, it's a shop. And uh, what they say, it's a, it's a florist. They call themselves a trendy florist, you know, which is just a florist, OK? You either sell flowers or you don't sell flowers. I don't think there's any such thing as trendy florist. Anyway, Alice Howard is offering bits of holly and birch a foot long as wall hangings and insists they're a product and not a stick. Well, I defy any fool in the world to look at these and go, it's a stick with a hole in it. OK, that's all it is. It's a stick with a hole in it. Uh, they're barely a foot long. She obviously thinks, I mean, there's obviously some very dumb people around there who will buy that, as opposed to going for a walk in the countryside, finding a bit of wood, taking it back, shaving the back of it so it fits flush against the wall, which takes about five minutes, drilling two holes in it, which are countersunk, and then sticking it up on your wall as what I can't imagine. I've, I've thought of other places apart from the wall that you could stick it, but uh, nobody's actually uh, recommended these to anybody at the moment. Alice, who's got a shop in Clerkenwell, so they're made by a friend of my mum in Devon. He doesn't sell them very cheaply. I think they take 20 minutes. He has to source the wood. Not all branches have the right notches. You do talk a load of old crap, dear. I'm ever so sorry. It's a piece of wood. OK, it's a piece of wood. Apparently, you can put it on the wall and hang things on it. Like the owner of a, of a posh boutique for flowers, I should imagine. I've never seen anything so ridiculous. But uh, BBC presenter Jeremy Vine put the range in the spotlight uh, when he posted a snap of them. Uh, anyway, this this man has to sand them and plane the back and then add the holes. That's what makes it a product and not just a stick. It's a stick with holes in it, dear. Don't patronise people. It makes you look even worse. I mean, the fact she's only 29 and you can be like this and patronise people. It's a stick with a hole in it. I mean, if you can really persuade people to buy it, well, then good for you. I'm all in favour of that. I mean, because some people are so stupid. They'll buy They'll buy anything. Absolutely anything. A stick with a hole in it. It's like me sort of... I don't know, I never quite got over Tracy Emin's unmade bed. I didn't quite understand that. That's art. So by, by the same token, this studio is an art installation because it's Steve Allen's studio. You know, I could probably put a piece of stick on the wall and call it Artisan Sticks. Because that's all it is. It's sticks with two holes in and you put them up against the wall and she's charging between 12 and 18 quid for it. It's, I mean, beauty is in the eye of the beholder, isn't it, really? You know, so, so somebody will look at something and go... You know, oh, that's absolutely amazing. And I go, it's a pile of tat. You know, tape, tape modern. You know, I mean, I mean, which is the one here? Well, the first one. Oh, Lorna. She says, what does your Australian producer look like? He sounds really good looking. I'm imagining a tanned fit surfer dude. I know. And such is the cross we have to bear, Lorna. That's exactly what he is. He is tanned. He's blonde hair. He's, uh, he's very hirsute. He's slim. Um, he spends most of his time in surfer shorts and uh, he's also he goes home on a skateboard got a skateboard outside the front door he's got that you know what I call that sort of tousled hair look he looks like that so he is tanned I mean he, he went back to uh, Australia land a short while ago just to top up the tan and uh, but I mean they flock around him in this building I mean seriously I used to have a, I used to have a producer years and years ago and he used to work with his shirt slashed open to his navel 
I mean, seriously, I mean, you, you, I really could. When I think back on it, I think to myself, good luck. The women went crackers for him. And the same lawn, as you say, you know, that's what he looks like. Tanned, fit surfer dude. I mean, to be honest with you, I think he's a bit scared of water. I don't think he actually does water. But uh, he's definitely tanned and fit. If he's listening to this on the way now, uh, now he'll, he'll be chuckling to himself in his little sort of Aussie drunk way, you know. <laughs> Have another tinny. Yes, his, his little pale face now. He's, he, he, has, he has the slight makings of a beard. I say this, and it's, and it's grey. And I think he dyes his hair. I think he dyes his hair. And also, I believe that he's had liposuction on the body. So it isn't actually, you know, tanned or fit. I don't think he does water. Um, I don't think he's ever been called a dude in his life. He just looks like typical lazy Australian slobs. They all look like that. You know, just just think of somebody sitting sitting by his billabong, you know, under the shade of a coolie bar tree, and you'll get a rough idea of what I'm working with. But uh, I love the way you say he sounds really good looking. It's funny, isn't it? You listen to somebody's voice and based on their voice. And and there are a couple of voices that I hear on LBC. I don't want to mention any names because it's embarrassing for them. And you think, God, you sound like you're really good looking. And then you see a picture of them and you go, that is such a disappointment. You know, you're not good looking at all. In fact, really, you make Quasimodo look like, you know, he was just in the running stakes. So... I know I don't want to talk about James O'Brien on the programme this morning. It's so unnecessary. I bet he'd, he'd buy a stick for £18. He would buy a stick. James O'Brien would buy one of these things for 18 quid. I promise you. And, I, and I, mean, I mean, I wonder if I could actually sell these to people. If I bang them out at a quid a time. You've only got to drill a hole in it. and you know, I mean, apparently it takes 20 minutes to make. It's ridiculous, isn't it? It is absolutely ridiculous. But that's what you buy in these sort of posh shops. You can tell it's a posh shop. Because she's got her dogs on the counter with her. I'm sorry. That's, that's a bit unnecessary, isn't it? Dog hairs all over your posh flowers. Not very good indeed. Not very good. Apples are the equivalent of grapefruit today. Eating one 30 minutes before a meal stems the appetite. You can uh, eat what you like. You just don't eat much of it. Oh, right. OK. OK. So apples, the equivalent of grapefruit. I'm not really big into apples. I'm re- I mean, Paul Cooper... A friend of mine's got a fruit and veg shop in, in Twickham. He must have about probably 10 varieties of apples, if not more. And they look lovely. They do look lovely. But occasionally I pinch a banana or something like that or a couple of strawberries. Uh, apparently, uh, another one here says, uh, what I have noticed, says Kevin, who's a bit of a hipster millman, he would buy a stick to put on the wall. He's probably got them sitting in the uh, in the uh, the float with him. He says, what I've noticed about all products Artisan Steve is they seem to only be available when the owners can be bothered to work. We sell handcrafted sourdough bread, £3.70 a loaf, but it's only available Wednesday and Fridays. I think I may become an artisan milkman, charge a five or a pint and only deliver once a week. Oh, I love it. I could I could drink ice cold milk now. I'd have to go and raid the fridge a bit later on. But uh, I'm th- I'm still thinking about Stickgate. Anyway, she's been trolled, as you can well imagine. And uh, a local, John, says, pretty steep for a stick. And uh, says, I'm sure I could find one on the floor and drill a hole in it. Yes, that's exactly what they've uh, actually done. And um, <laughs> a friend of mine has just encountered a prostitute working a square in London. She offered him sex. He says, I declined. <laughs> How wise. How wise. Isn't that odd? I didn't, I didn't know that sort of thing still went on. I must be very old-fashioned. I just don't notice things like that. Notice shop, 
shoplifters, but I, I wouldn't notice people walking the streets. So I'm sure. Let's hope he gets home safely. Uh, did you watch Can't Pay Take It Away? It was a good one this week. Lots of action. I love it. I love it. They go, uh, we're not paying anything. I missed the one. Can anybody tell me what happened? Uh, there was one that went on this morning and it was a, a, a dress shop where they owed money to a client who'd got a dress or something gone wrong. And they went round to start removing goods. But I had to leave for work. So I missed it. Um, I missed it completely, so I don't know what happened at the end of it. So if you know, do let me know, please. And if you're one of those people who would buy a stick for £18, you know, I mean, really, that is taking the Michael, isn't it? It really is. Um, there's another one here. This is an obsession that made a healthy man suicidal. He said, there's nothing wrong with my leg, but I hate it and I want it amputated. So he had his leg amputated. Um... I don't know who you find to do things like this, but uh, it's it's a condition where you believe that you don't want something to the point of you're suicidal. <coughs> um, and so he had his leg amputated. God, I would never get to that stage. That would be terrible. Uh, Patrick says, uh, I think Joanne Webb sounds really lovely, but I've not heard her two days. Is she OK? Well, she was with us yesterday and the day before. And uh, she's in today. She said every day. She doesn't have days off, Patrick. I'm so, I'm so, she starts after five, dear. So you've not heard from her for two days. She's here? No. Steve, a stick is just a boomerang that doesn't come back. It, it, but this one's got holes drilled in it. So, in fact, probably there was something magical about it. There must be something magical about this stick. But it's, it's just, you know, artisan people. You know, people will go and buy. It's like, you know, I, I saw a bin the other day. A bin. But it's a posh bin. And it was £325 for a bin. Me, I, don't, I don't, don't possess a bin. What I do is I go and buy a bag for life from Marks and Spencers for 10 pence. They exist. And it's a very strong bag. I've got a hook in the kitchen on the wall. I hang it on there. I put all my rubbish in it. And then I throw it away because it's 10p. Somebody wrote to me a short while ago and said, aren't you just wasting 10p? <laughs> like I care. Like I care about 10p. It's a, seriously, you throw more than that down the back of the settee every day, don't you? If I, if I sort of scraped around in this building, I could probably find loads of little bits of cash. I mean, I've got, I carry so much change in my pocket. I mean, seriously, look, this is, this, is, this is just today's pocket change. I don't even know how much is in it. It's not one pound coin. Look. I mean, that is just, I'll, I'll tell you how much is in, because what I do is I tend to go and buy things... And then, um, and then I put the change in my pocket. And then eventually I get home and I put it into a, a thing. So here I've got two. Four, I still haven't got any of those pound coins, by the way. Uh, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, twelve, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen pounds. Oh, wait a minute, I just found some more. Just found some more in my pocket. Small wonder I have to keep getting the pockets reinforced. 19, 20, 21, 22, 22 pounds in my pocket. How stupid is that? Small wonder. And you ask if I worry about 10p. Of course not. Of course not. I've got enough money here for carrier bags, you know, for the next year. Which actually is not as far-fetched as you think it is, is it, really? Count how much change you've got in your pockets. £23. It's useful, isn't it? Mind you, I am like Bank of Mum and Dad. People do say to me, have you got any pound coins? They go, yeah, but none of the new ones. 
None of the new ones. Uh, apparently, the dress episode is an old one. New episode every Wednesday, 9pm. I must check. I must definitely check on that one. I do like the programme. I like the idea of going around to somebody's house and going, out, got half an hour, get out. Well, where am I supposed to go? Get out. You haven't paid your rent. Get out. Landlord wants the place back again. These crooks, you've got to sort them out, haven't you? Uh, right, 84850, steve.lbc.co.uk. News at five is coming up very quickly. Uh, the terror threat which sees liquids banned from Eurostar trains. We'll tell you which ones. Don't force people, say the banks, to use tap-and-go cards. Uh, Britain's most expensive beach hut, just under £300,000. And, uh, and a soldier has transitioned sex at the age of 90 He's in all the papers today. He said he's lived a lie since he was three years old. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. They're all so excited about the weather today. They're going, it's 21 degrees, 21 degrees. And uh, you've never seen anybody so pale in the newsroom as the team this morning. Everybody's so pale looking. So we're obviously desperately waiting, aren't we, to, uh, to see a nice bit of sunshine. Only for today, though. Don't worry, we go back to the usual sort of rubbish tomorrow. So £23 in change in my pocket. I mean, it's how ridiculous is that? The choice, I'm not one of these people who, when I pay for something, I get, um, I get sort of money out and start counting change out. I, d- I don't do that. What I end up doing is I hand over a note because it's easier. Who can be bothered to stand there? It's like you get people, I've seen them at the till, they're the most annoying people ever, where they sort of, they, they put their stuff down and it's paid for and all the rest of it. And, um, and then they start ferreting around for their purse. It's like people who get on the bus and all of a sudden realise, oh, I better find my, uh, my Oyster card. I'm sorry, you're standing at a bus stop. Why don't you just get it out and put it in your pocket? They said, oh, what's in the bottom of the bag? I've seen people get on the bus halfway down. The big people this morning, halfway down the bus, they'll, they'll sort of, you know, um, where is it? I don't know. Why don't you find it beforehand, dipsticks? It's very annoying. One of these days, I'm just going to get up and go, boo, boo. Yes, we shall, yes. Terrible, really, isn't it, when you get sort of very short-tempered about something. It's amazing what actually can wind you up very easily. Very easily. Uh, apparently, uh, uh, somebody was telling me, the woman in the shop in Can't Pay will take it away, kicked off big time. How fantastic. See, I love that. That would make it more entertaining. She was on her way in to sort out the dresses, apparently, and uh, so they did take the dresses away to an auction house. I said, because if, if you owe the money, then you have to sort of pay it. The only reason they they, they won't take certain things is if it's a vehicle and it's got higher purchase outstanding on it, then they won't take that away. And if there's children generally in the house, they're sort of a little bit reticent to to do too much about it. But they generally point them in the direction of the council and uh, say, go and and see the council and the council will will home you. Because these are are people who uh, have moved into people's property, basically trashed it. You've never seen some of the most awful things that, uh, that have happened to people's flats and uh, houses. And, uh, and they just don't bother paying. They don't bother paying anything at all. So small wonder they have to call in the High Court enforcers. It's uh, so much easier. Uh, 84850, steve at uh, So George Michael's funeral has occurred. We now know. Uh, Roman was there with his family. In fact, that, that, that must be the biggest family turnout, the Kemps. They went there, brother, sister, and uh, Mr and Mrs., uh, plus Ben Kaplan, he's in Call the Midwife and he's going to call it a day. He wants some more edgy roles, so he's decided to quit. But they've left the door open so that he can he can go back in there again. I've never even seen the programme. I've never seen it at all. I don't know why. I just automatically assumed it's a girly type programme. It's for it's for women, not really for sort of uh, for people like me. Uh, there is the uh, the dreadful story about a man, Mario 
Um, he was having a fit. Uh, for some reason, uh, there was a film crew working on a documentary in his flat. Uh, he had a fit uh, whilst they were filming as his Staffordshire Bull Terrier major pounced on him and started tearing at his throat. Um, a neighbour, Jeff, says, I heard him shouting, get him off, get him off me. He was bleeding from his neck. There was a lot of blood. Um, the dogs now held in secure kennels. Police were heard shouting to the BBC crew, thought to be a man and a woman, to put the dog in a room. Um, they weren't filming at that precise time. And uh, the flat was subject to a court closure order due to be criminal and nuisance and behaviour. And, um, and this man was being filmed. It was in uh, Wood Green. His life had spiralled out of control due to Class A drugs. And um, so he had a seizure and the dog pounced on him. I mean, it's, it's, and this, this wasn't even what they class as a dangerous dog. It shouldn't have been a dangerous dog, but it went for his throat. And, um, I mean, just terrible. Absolutely terrible. And so there was a film crew there at the same time. What they'll do to the dog, I've got no idea. I should imagine they'll probably put it down. That's what they do. I mean, I don't know what you can do with a dog after that. You have to retrain it, I suppose. Peter Davis is a man in all the papers today because, uh, <coughs> excuse me, at the age of three... He thought he was really a girl, but it took him 90 years to get round to telling the world. Uh, transgender Patricia, now 90, even served in the Second World War as a man before getting married. And she's decided to uh, to go public. And uh, she says, I feel like a weight has been lifted off my shoulders. I'm not gay. I'm not gay. She says, um, my attraction to women was I wanted to be like them. I wanted to be like the pinups from about the age of four. I wanted to play with girls' toys. I didn't want toy soldiers. I wanted an ironing board. <laughs> sweet. How sweet. But anyway, uh, Patricia wanted to reveal her secret. And um, they, she went to a pantomime, actually. Peter Pan. And I wanted to be a fairy, so my mother made me a wand. But uh, she said, um, uh, the atmosphere was not safe in East India, East Africa and Palestine with the Royal Army Service Corps. <coughs> Sorry. And says here, I would have been classed as homosexual, which would have caused problems in the army. I'd have ended up in prison. It's completely different now, isn't it? Completely different when you think what times were like. I feel quite proud having served during the war. Perhaps Hitler got news. I joined and gave up. Uh, his wife died in 2011. They had no children. And he said she was very sympathetic. Helped me all the way. And now she's felt... Uh, she feels sort of vindicated and is, is now able to come out. I mean, she's 90. She's, 90. she's waited all her life to come out as a, as a woman and got married and did everything else. And her wife was very acceptable. Uh, nobody seemed to bat an eyelid, she says. Well, to be honest with you, I mean, I don't know. I'm looking at a picture of, uh, of Patricia here. And um, it just looks like an old lady with long grey hair. That's, that's, that's all it is. You know, at the age of 90, what do you expect somebody to look like? She's not going to be sort of dressing in heels, you know, things like that. Well, I don't think so anyway. But uh, that's good. That's good. Uh, Dean says, I saw a programme once about people in America who'd voluntarily had one or both of their legs amputated because they felt they weren't theirs. Yes, it is. It is a known condition. It is a known condition. These, these people become suicidal. And so in an effort to stop them committing suicide, they will they will do an amputation. Dreadful, isn't it, really? I mean, I sometimes see people uh, when I come through Chiswick, sometimes, if, uh, if I'm coming in at the weekend, and there's um, a home round there for people who are blind, 
who are being trained how to go out and cope with being blind. And I can't imagine what that must be like at all. I can't imagine how it must be to actually wake up and not see anything. You know, if you've been blind since birth, well, then you don't know what anything looks like anyway. doesn't matter if somebody describes it to you and says, oh, it's a tree, it's green. You go, what does that mean? What does that mean? They don't know. It doesn't mean anything at all. The sea is blue. I don't know. I don't know what colour. What do you mean blue? Well, it's the same blue as the sky. I can't see it. What do you mean? If you've had sight and then you lose it, you do remember these uh, these things. But uh, for the rest of people, amazing, amazing. They really are. There's also a mum in the paper today. Uh, she wants her son to give himself up. This is Alicia Makatea, who's begged her lad Aidan to come home and give himself up. He's being sought over the hit-and-run killing of a little girl. And uh, she says he's running scared. She says, I know what he's done to this family is horrific, but I'm worried about where he is and what his state of mind is. He's no angel, but this is not him. Come home and we will get through it. Uh, After seeing a CCTV image from the scene, Alicia told police it was her son they were seeking. Uh, Violet Grace of St Helens on Merseyside died in hospital in her mum's arms after the stolen car hit her on Friday. And um, just awful, really, isn't it? When things like this happen... And you've seen these car chases on the television and the police programmes where people hurtle through little villages at 90 miles an hour. Eventually, uh, it finishes mainly in disaster. Either the car crashes as they go round a corner or they go the wrong way round a roundabout. Uh, These people have limited intelligence. They steal something and they just go for a a joyride. And that's it. But uh, what, what they're looking for specifically is they're looking for the police. They want the police to chase them. They want, they want the feeling of that chase. Unfortunately for many of them, it ends in total tragedy. In this particular case, this ended in tragedy with a little girl losing her life and a son who's on the run and the mother is saying, just give yourself up. He's no angel, well, quite clearly, uh, but he's on the run. The best thing he can do is give himself up and, uh, and sort of, you know, let people unravel exactly what, what happened so we know. But, uh, but she, she's worried about what he might do uh, whilst he's on the run, which is the worrying thing, isn't it? Do you know, there's a university, they've had, I think, three students who have killed themselves. You know, and it's it's absolutely amazing, absolutely amazing that, you know, children nowadays, you know, seemingly bright, intelligent, everything going for them, you know, really clever people want to take their own life. Steve, uh, the old lady with grey hair sounds like our Auntie Enid. God bless her soul. Had she ever wanted to be a man? What, what Enid, oh, I don't know, I mean, to be honest with you, I don't like to talk about it. She started listening to the radio in the mornings, and uh, I think it provides it. The trouble is, because she's deaf, you know, she has it blasting out. She's got these huge speakers in her room, and she has the radio blasting out. I don't think she was ever trans. To be honest with you, I don't think she was ever anything. But uh, as you know, if you came to one of the shows, we did put up a picture, one of the rare pictures that we've actually got of her, uh, without her wearing Wellingtons. It was very difficult to actually find photos in the scrapbook because in most of them she's got an old fisherman sweater on and she's got Wellington boots. Unfortunately, they don't match, so she looks slightly like uh, Jimmy Cricket. But uh, she's still going, but I don't think she was ever trans. Well, if she was, she kept it very well hidden from us, which is probably the best way as far as I'm concerned. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to be company. 19 minutes past five. Smiles and tears for George Michael. Uh, Faddy went, the boyfriend, uh, which considering, here's the, here's the odd thing, they're saying he was snubbed at the wake. Well, the wake would be f- for his family, I'm assuming, that's what generally family do, and perhaps they didn't want him there because it was a family thing, and, and you know, and that would just been for close immediate members. Unfortunately, 
you know, uh, Faddy got sort of left out of that. But it didn't matter. He, he went to the funeral. He obviously had an invite because otherwise the security would have turned him away. So he had an invite to go to the funeral. Why not? He was George's last boyfriend for four years. Uh, Kenny turned up and uh, Roman Kemp was there and uh, Roman's sister as well. That's uh, that's Harley Moon, because I think she's also a godchild of George. He's got a few godchildren. Whether they benefit in the will, we don't know. That's what we don't know, these things. You know, if he had £100 million and he split it between charities, he might have given it all to charity and, you know, I don't know. I mean, I, I could sit here and speculate on, on exactly, uh, you know, what his will would say, whether it was a current will, an old will, whether it was made, whether he was, you know, with, with, with Kenny or whether he was. I don't know. Nobody knows. You can you could speculate till the cows come home. All I know is it was a private ceremony. And George has finally, after God knows how many days, been been laid to rest. So finally it's happened. And he's finally with his uh, beloved mother. So that's it. So I wouldn't have expected Faddy to go to the wake at all. I really wouldn't have done it. It's the thing that the family want to do. And they, they remember George in their own... Well, that's their, their business. Their business completely. Uh, we found a diet uh, from 1934. It's in a book called Daily Express, Inquire Within. Uh, and this um, is a treatment for corpulence. What's corpulence? What's corpulence? I don't know what corpulence is. It says, medicine nuns save a morning cordial as a corrective. So this is what they were saying for breakfast, for breakfast. <laughs> oh, obesity. Oh, right. So this is a this is a diet. This is a diet. OK, but breakfast, four to five ounces of beef, mutton, kidneys, broiled fish, bacon or any kind of cold meat except pork. Large cup of tea without milk or sugar, a little biscuit or dry toast. It's OK. Dinner, five to six ounces of any fish except salmon. Any meat except pork, any vegetable except potatoes, an ounce of dry toast, two or three glasses of claret or sherry, port, champagne and beer forbidden, tea, two-thirds of an ounce of fruit, a rusk or two and a cup of tea, no milk or sugar, supper, two to three ounces of meat or fish, as at dinner with a glass or two of claret. And James says, I doubt GPs and dietitians would approve of this today. Is that funny? Way back in 1934, I wouldn't have thought there was enough food around for people to worry about. Uh, sort of... Um, Sort of having to having to diet. Uh, singer Lily Allen was slated last night as she shared a string of scaremongering tweets over Brexit. She retweeted a picture listing things which could be blamed on those who voted to leave Europe. She later posted, "Dear EU, if you're reading this, it's too late." It blamed factory closures, a dropping living standards, job losses, and everything without exception on Brexit voters. And uh, she later shared a message saying, "I'll vote for the first so-and-so to say they'll reverse Brexit and I'm not alone. No, just a bit of a hypocrite, aren't you, really? Many users attacked her stance and accused her of scaremongering. One said, no one knows what's actually going to happen over the next two years. Silly girl. Yes, well, as I say, she's sort of a law unto herself. I think she thinks perhaps, you know, as most people do nowadays, that if you're in the public eye, then you have a voice. It's like taking any notice of anything Naomi Campbell says or Cara Delevingne, or people... I'm not really interested. I'm really not interested in these people at all. You know, Lily Allen can go sit and whistle in the wind, as far as I'm concerned. It doesn't make any difference to me. I'm not going to take any notice of what she says. And uh, loads of other people would. But then there's loads of other people who wouldn't. You know. John says, don't you just love people who stand in line to pay? And it's only when everything's gone through the scanner and they start hunting for the loyalty card, and finally for the money. No, then they start packing. Then they start packing. I always have a race on the till. Can I throw the stuff in the bag quicker than they can go beep, 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 beep. And generally speaking, I win. 
Wow. Steve, all that money in your pocket. Go to Asda. Put it through the coin master. I thought I was the only saddo that dips into ideal world. And, uh, no. Uh, no, there's loads of people. They, they must be enormous. They must turn over millions because they're call centres in India. They've got a call centre. You know, it's not just some, some woman in Rotherham picking up the phone and going, hello, ideal world. No, no, they're, they're huge. They're absolutely enormous. Bet you saw Anthony Slacks on QVC. I don't even know who Anthony is, actually, on QVC, so it doesn't really help, really. He's sweet, says Jerry in Horsham. Yes, bit of a worry there, bit of a worry. Actually, I don't have enough money to put through um, one of those um, machines which they've got in the supermarkets. I wait till I've got at least a few hundred quids worth. I've only just caught up with your In Conversation with Professor Brian Cox and Dame Joan Collins. Brilliant. Looking forward to hearing Jude Law, says Ian in Preston. Yep, Jude Law is this weekend, and uh, he's going to be with Nigel Planer. So Nigel Planer and Jude Law this weekend. And uh, we've still got... God, we've got some, some names coming up, ladies and gentlemen, you're going to get very, very excited about. But I shall not tell you just yet. I shall say... But Jude Law was fantastic, and, um, and Nigel Planer was brilliant as well. Nigel's on a new album... Uh, which is called Wit and Whimsy by Alexander Bermange, which is comedy slot. There's loads of people from the West End in it, loads of people. And so that's good. And uh, Jude is going to be at the Barbican. So a uh, lot to talk about. And that'll be on Saturday morning, this coming Saturday morning, between six and seven, repeated on Sunday night at nine o'clock. So no excuse. And you can podcast as well. There's now a second online petition accusing Madeleine McCann's parents of neglect. Yesterday, it got nearly 27,000 signatures. I mean, this is going to rumble on forever and a day, isn't it, this one? It really is. Another online poll calling for Kate and Jerry to be prosecuted has already been signed by 130,000 people. The couple's pals dismissed the new attack as disgraceful. This was launched by the UK Database, a website run by a crime campaigner which catalogues the movements of child abusers after they've been freed from jail. There's there's never going to be any rest in this one. There is no answer to the McCanns. They're quite well aware of what they did. They went out. They left the the children in an apartment. Whether it was locked, I've got no idea. I can't remember that side of it. It's kind of lost in the mist of time. And when they came back, one was missing, and that was Madeline. And that's what they've got to live with. I mean, you can't just keep going back and saying, because there must be loads of parents who leave children. I agree. We wouldn't in our family. We absolutely wouldn't. But then people do that automatically. Most people take, take the kids with them, don't they? They actually sort of, stay, when the kids sit there in their push chairs and they go to sleep anyway and you just wheel them back home again afterwards and then pop them into bed. You know, why whoever took this little girl didn't take all three, I don't know. Was she actually taken by anybody? Probably not. Did she wander off? Probably. I think mine, my uh, theory sounds the most likely that she wandered off site, got hit by a vehicle... And uh, and they then sort of picked her up and took her to uh, to dispose of her in a way which they saw fit, because there's no other explanation as to a child who just vanishes. But, you know, starting online petitions saying they should be prosecuted for neglect is, uh, is nothing short of just absolutely ridiculous. Other stories in the papers for today. This is uh, Depeche Mode. Good God, they're not back, are they? Did you read somebody from... Is it Glenn Matlock from the Sex Pistols is recording... Uh, some songs with an orchestra. Just the trouble with these old punk rockers. They sell out, don't they, left, right and centre. Hasn't Johnny Rotten, John Lydon, just brought out a book of all his little sort of ramblings and mumblings? He was on another radio station, was he? In this building? 
Oh, right, not one of ours. Oh, we don't, very dull. What well, the interview was, he was always very dull. He was never very excited. God save the Queen, the fascist regime, all that kind of stuff. He was dated before he began. It was all a bit of an act, really, because then they got him advertising butter, didn't they, on the television. So he sold out so many times. I was never a fan of the Sex Pistols. I didn't even see them, but I did meet them. I did meet them. And, uh, and that, as I say, was the end of it. It was just a, a kind of thing, wasn't it? It was sort of like, oh, yeah, God save the Queen, you know. We're so pretty, oh, so pretty, vacant. And they were just all a little bit naff. Katie Price uh, has called to punish the trolls, making online slurs illegal. I hope she realises that she can't do it either. And, uh, you know, perhaps she'll teach Harvey some better words than the ones he seems to be using at the moment. But uh, then again, uh, we're looking for a public apology from Katie Price for going topless in the Maldives. It's a Muslim, it's a Muslim enclave, and uh, they have very, very strict laws about what you're supposed to show. She, of course, had a total disregard for their religion and basically has stuck two fingers up. Silly woman. Very silly woman. So maybe when she gets back from yet another holiday, uh, perhaps she'll be publicly apologising. We found a disaster movie. We haven't had a disaster movie for ages. Uh, this one is called Dangerous Game. And, um, and it's got some real talent in it. Here we go. Are you ready? Callum Best, who plays a, um, a Premier League footballer in trouble with the Russian Mafia. Uh, Alex Reed is also in it. Poor old Alex Reed, honestly. Uh, they've got uh, Towie star Ricky Raymond, Sky football analyst Chris Kamara. Who else is in it? Wait a minute. Let's have a quick look here. Uh, Gary Webster. Lucy Pinder. Darren Day. What on earth is Darren Day doing in it? Ridiculous. Uh, Stephen Boehm. No idea. Uh, Stephanie Dooley. Chris's mum. Anthony Warren. Ricky Raymond. Detective Lee Saunders. Martin Tyler. Who's Martin Tyler? He commentates on football for Sky. Poor soul, honestly. How delusional. And there's even more of them, are there? Good God in heaven. Can't believe it. There are loads of people. Let's have a quick look. Let's see if there's anybody else we haven't heard of. Um, no. Martin Alexander. Martin Alexander? What's he doing there? Martin Alexander. What's Martin Alexander doing? He's been in loads of things, hasn't he? Loads of things. Oh, well, there you go. Um, no accounting would take. They have said it's the worst, the worst film ever. But that, but that probably helps it, doesn't it, really? <laughs> if they say something is really, really bad, people go, well, how bad can bad be? Aren't... Yes, you will go and see it out of curiosity, won't you? <laughs> That's why I think it's quite funny. It's, uh, it's a new one, actually. But, uh, I mean, Callum Best, poor soul, honestly. Will his hair be getting a separate agent? You know, because I always love that. So they've got little clips we're sort of watching. I mean, poor Callum Best. I mean, it is, you know, it does feel like a practical joke, says somebody. And then somebody said, Darren Day with a Russian accent. Priceless. There you go. That's what we've got to watch nowadays, ladies and gentlemen. But all, all good fun, isn't it? You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to be company. 26 minutes to six. Have you got the new pound coin, says Sarah? No. It's going to take ages to filter through. It really is. I've not seen one in anybody's change at the moment. And we're in London. We've got about 10 banks and a Santander where they've got these things. But they haven't started filtering through yet. Just remember, you've got till October and then come October 16th or whatever it is. You have to you have to get rid of them completely because they won't be legal. Nobody wants them. They will be dead money, absolutely dead money. So so get them changed up. Once you get the new ones, try and make sure you get rid of all the old pounds. I mean, eventually it'll be like as I say, the fivers. 
you know, you very rarely see the old fivers now, but I'm sure they are around, but I haven't had one for a little while. I still like the new fivers. They seem to hold up quite well, don't they? So, no, I haven't had a new pound coin, Sarah, as yet, but I'm looking forward to it. As Darren's discussing overnight, it's been predicted that a, a wave of new chuggers, you know the chuggers? Hello. I'd like to say gay whales in Antarctica. And uh, what they'll be doing is taking to the streets this summer to get your old pound coins before they go out of circulation. Have you got any old pound coins? Hello, we could take them off your hands for you and we can put them to really good use. Can we really? Yes, you can pay our £10 an hour that we're earning at the moment for standing on the streets extracting the money uh, from you. So, I mean, I've always said don't ever give chuggers anything at all. If you want to give money to a charity, do it yourself. Go to the charity, go to the charity shop or whatever. Go online, do it. Don't give it to the, the chuggers. Soon we get these people off the... Evil! These people are evil. They should be destroyed. They jump in front of you and start... Hello? Hello? Hello, have you got five minutes? No, I haven't. Do I look like I've got five minutes? No, I haven't. Yeah, they're always... There's something about... I think they're all... I think they're all students. And I think they're all theatrical students. I'm pretty certain. Because they're trained in a way. They say, hello. It's like they're sort of doing a Brian Ricks farce. Hello. Oh, there's the vicar. Oh, look, his trousers have dropped down. That's the kind of thing it is, isn't it? When you actually watch the people operating on the streets. But if you really want to annoy them, and it's so easy to annoy them, just go and stand next to them when they're talking to somebody else. Because they'll look at you and go, can I help you? And you go, no, I'm on the pavement with you. Any problem with me being on a pavement? Well, I'm talking to this person here. Are you really? No, you're trying to get something out of them, dear. You're not just talking. You don't know this person here. Really, really wind them up. It's worth every penny, I promise you. You can get miles of, miles of mileage out of it. Do you know we are debt binging in the country at the moment? We're just not very good at managing money. And I have... Uh, there was a thing... James O'Brien did it ages ago. And it was on the fact that the majority of people in the country have got less than £100 in savings. You've got less than £100 in... No, no, I didn't think you'd had less than that. And I also have got more than £100 in savings. But I did speak to somebody the other day who said, I haven't got £100 in savings. And I said, oh, I, just, I thought it was a joke item. And, uh, and when James was doing it, they got loads of people who were talking about the fact that they didn't have more than £100 in savings. They were literally living hand to mouth, hand to mouth. And that's, that's how, how difficult it was. So what we're doing now is we're... We're sticking it on credit card. I can remember years and years ago, and it was years and years ago, thank the Lord, um, that I was so hard up. I had a credit card which had credit on it, and I would take money out of that and live on that. That's how bad. And I got myself £3,000 in debt. 3000 It took ages to clear it because I was paying the minimum amount. And, of course, the minimum amount was paying nothing off at all. So we apparently put £20 million a day on credit cards in this country. It's false economy, isn't it? It's false economy. People put uh, money on credit cards and people get credit cards and they skip the country. Won't be doing that in a few years' time, will they? Uh, there's also the War of the Roses. A GP who pruned next door's roses was told, cut those again and you die. Which sounds serious enough to go to court, I think. Uh, Prince Harry says he's been trained to help mental health patients. With what? I've got no idea. Try and find out later. Uh, the two boys who stole from Auschwitz, I don't think it gets any worse and lower than that, have been fined over their thefts. Uh, they stole, I think, from one of, the, uh, one of the, the rooms where people... I think there was loads of things on the floor. And the idea is you're not supposed to touch anything at all. I mean, these belong to people whose lives probably ended in these, uh, in these camps. But they stole, I mean, possibly the dumbest people I've... I've ever encountered, and so they've been fined 
in court. Not a huge amount. Not a huge amount. It should have been an awful lot more. It should have been an awful lot more, but uh, it was a small amount of uh, of money. I thought that they were fined, but that's just that's just my personal opinion. But there again, I think, you know, when I read a headline like revenge porn offenders won't be locked up if the victim isn't too distressed. I mean, it's like the other day, the uh, the man who uh, who was, uh, didn't he get out of something? He'd beaten this ex-girlfriend or something. Um, and then he said, oh, I've been offered a job with, I think, Leicestershire um, Cricket Club. And uh, and if, if I go to prison, I won't be able to take up this, this job. So they spared him. And then it turned out he was lying through his teeth. Leicestershire said they'd never heard of him. They've never heard of an agent of his. They've certainly they've never offered any job or anything at all. It was just total fabrication. Total fabrication. Producer says, I don't know how on earth those boys could ever get such an idea in their heads. I've been to Auschwitz. You feel the history and the importance of what happened there. I wouldn't touch anything. I absolutely couldn't. I couldn't I couldn't I couldn't live with myself. I could never do that. But anyway, these uh, were public school boys. Makes it even worse. Really, doesn't it? They've been fined for picking up buttons and metal fragments from the grounds in Auschwitz. This is Marcus Dell and Ben Thompson. They were on a history trip with £15,000 a year, the Perth School in Cambridge, to the Nazi camp in Poland. They were being shown around a warehouse displaying belongings of murdered Jews. The boys, who were 17 at the time of the offence in 2015, picked up objects from the grounds that were not part of the displays, including part of an old hair-cutting machine. They told the court in Krakow they only picked up the items because they wanted to ask a guide about them. They were initially charged with stealing goods of special importance, but experts say the items were not significant. They were instead found guilty of damaging a site of historical importance and fined £410 each and told to pay £1,230 each to the Memorial Foundation for the Victims of Auschwitz. Should have been ten times that amount. Should have been ten times that amount. But uh, they won't do it again. They will not do it again. I, mean, I don't know how anybody could even think about something like that. Uh, the GP. Oh, dear. I've told you neighbourly disputes. Don't get into a neighbourly dispute. If you actually get into a neighbourly dispute, I mean, you are asking for trouble. And uh, this is this is terrible. Uh, this is a retired GP who pruned a neighbour's roses that were hanging over his fence Received a note warning, cut my plants again and you will die. Uh, Dr. Strithran, who was born in Sri Lanka, uh, faced racist slurs during a year-long running dispute with his neighbour, Rosa Rahman, and her daughter, Rebecca, 46. <clears throat> Rosa Rahman is quite clearly not a very pleasant person. She told him at one point, people in this country have a garden. Where you come from is just mud huts and no garden. What? I mean, honestly, this woman is even more stupid than you imagine. Anyway, the mother and daughter claimed that Dr. Sritharan poured weed killer on parts of their back garden to kill plants close, close to a boundary fence. Dr. Sritharan, not the easiest name to pronounce, I have to tell you, uh, told a court he feared for his life and was forced to drive to a police station for his own safety after the women allegedly armed themselves with bricks. During the course of the dispute from June to August, he made six separate complaints to the police and the pair were charged with harassment, assault and racially aggravated comments. This is in Wimbledon. Uh, they were very abusive. So they've got a picture in the paper today of Rosa and Rebecca Rahman. Anyway, Rosa Rahman was fined £75 with £150 costs and a £30 victim surcharge. The daughter was put on probation for a year 
and must do 100 hours community service. She was fined £200 and has got to pay £85 costs and an £85 victim surcharge. What a vile pair, Rosa and Rebecca Rahman. I mean, really? You know, I'm sorry, we have gardens in this country. Where you come from, it's mud huts. What sort of place are these people coming from? Uh, the daughter is a production manager. Obviously a vile little racist, ladies and gentlemen. Really? That's why they were found guilty, which is always always good news. I was approached by a chugger in Weymouth, says CJ. He was so charming and spoke to me like he'd known me for years. Yeah, that's what they, uh, that's what they want. They, they, they were, hi, hi, how are you? And they chat away. They're after what, what, what they want for you. They never ask for money. But we didn't say they did ask for money. What we said was, with the pound coins going out, they're going to be asking for those, those pound coins. That's what they're going to be doing. Uh, they want bank details, or why, why anybody with half a brain cell, ladies and gentlemen, would give to a perfect stranger in the street. You know, it's like me going to, to my, my producer and going, oh, here, here you go, Chris, this is my bank account number, this is the sort code, and this, just take whatever you want. Yeah, it's OK. I'll give it to you later. They, they want your bank... Why would you ever want to give your bank details to a stranger? And they only employ attractive people. Hello, I'm very attractive and I'm a really fun person. And I just want your bank details. OK, thank you. Uh, yeah, I know we really want to help save these, these gay whales. There's not many of them left, as you know, in the world. And, um, and it's, it's really difficult. And if you could help us out, you know, and it would only be something like, you know, two pounds a month or something like that. And, and we'll send you a free, a free life-size... Um, sort of stuffed toy of your whale as well, so you'll know which one you've sponsored. And we're also doing donkeys as well and budgerigars, if you'd like to help us with the donkeys and the budgerigars. Could you help us with those ones? A lot of lesbian budgerigars about at the moment. There's a lot of trouble with this, and uh, it's, it's proving very difficult in the pet shops. And if we can, if we can save one, one budgie, then we can probably save an entire species, if you'd like to help us out with that one. Yeah, the, the bank is called what? Bank of Stupid, thank you. And uh, the number? 47213229. Thank you. Sort code. Do you have a sort code? Thank you. And uh, do you have a lot of money in this particular account? Oh, right. Thank you. We'll just be taking all of that then, won't we? Because, yes, and what your mother's maiden name. Do you have a password for it? I mean, you would have to be mad to give any bank deal details out to anybody on the street. You don't know them. What, because they've got a little pass around their neck with a little hologram in it? What do you think that tells you? Answer? Nothing. Tells you nothing. Give these people nothing. You, what you're doing is you're paying their wages. About an average of £10 an hour. Don't ever believe them when they tell you differently. You know, there are loads of people who go to these agencies to earn £10 an hour. They're earning more money than the people making a blasted cup of coffee. Ridiculous. So, uh, you want to give to the charity? Give direct. So much easier. You can go online, you can make a donation. You don't need to give it to a chugger. Thank Why would you give it to a chugger? A person you do not know, you give over your private bank account details. The other thing is, sorry, and, and the, they, they started doing this around Twickenham a little while ago, about a year ago. They said, so I don't want your bank details. We just want your phone number. So they can plague you with, uh, with, uh, with adverts and things like that. Don't give them anything. You don't know them. You wouldn't send your details into me. Why would you give it to a perfect stranger? Me, you know. I'm, an, I'm honest Steve. I'm here Monday through Friday, Saturday and Sunday as well. I've been here since I was a boy. You know me. I wouldn't cheat you. Heavens above, I'm not like a chugger. Uh, Lady Nadia says I wouldn't leave my child alone in this country, let alone a strange one. It's going to run... Listen, the, the McCanns are going to be hauled over the coals for this for the rest of their lives. It's never going to be any different, is it? There are always going to be people starting petitions saying they should be charged with neglect. Listen, if they were going to be charged with neglect, they'd been, they, they would have been charged with neglect. They haven't been. So obviously, people don't think it's, uh, it's the right way forward. Um, 
Don't force people to use tap-and-go cards, say the banks. And uh, the terror threat, seeing all liquids banned from Eurostar trains. That'd make it difficult for me, wouldn't it? Although somebody said it's only... Did you say it was only from Brussels or something like that? <coughs> Excuse me. Have a, have a, sorry. Have a little check on that one, because I'm not uh, sure. Because I, I got on the Eurostar here with a bottle of water, which, uh, which I, it is from Brussels. Right, OK. So you're all right. Oh, thank goodness, St Pancras, eh? We can breathe a sigh of relief to all my lovely ladies down there. Hope you have a, a busy day today. And uh, you enjoy. They had uh, somebody playing a piano, didn't they, the other day down there? John Legend was was playing a piano down there. He'd come in on Eurostar. Nobody put a piano out for me when I got back from Eurostar. It doesn't matter. But uh, the Belgian police have received warnings of potential threat to uh, the 10.56am Brussels to London service on Tuesday. So a helicopter followed the train as it left the Belgian capital. Normally there's no limit, as you know, on the amount of liquids. You can take on your own booze and everything. Apart from the one up to what? Of the one for the Alps. You can't take anything. I do need water though. That's the one thing I need on these things. I'm always taking bottles of water. I'm absolutely mad. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. It's nice to have you company. It's LBC. I'm with you till seven o'clock this morning. Nick was uh, down yesterday, down at, um, at College Green. Uh, I kept seeing bits of him on the television because I was trying to work out where everybody was down there. And it was very interesting because there seemed to be loads of people doing programmes. Everybody was doing little bits and pieces. And then they had some tents. And I knew that he was in one of the tents. And at one point, the camera moved over a little bit. I'm like, ah, there's Nick. There's Nick. Uh, This morning, he's going to be speaking to the Brexit secretary, David Davis, as we now enter this two-year negotiating period. And uh, he's going to be asking a question this morning as to whether Mr Corbyn's days are finally up as his personal polling reaches new lows. It's interesting where that's gone, isn't it? It's very interesting where that's gone. I can't wait to see what you're going to be saying. I can imagine what you're going to be saying this morning. I can just imagine. Uh, Also, there's a a pair of hitchhikers in the paper today. It seems ages ago that people hitchhiked. I can remember hitchhiking down the M4. And uh, you used to hope it would be a car. But, of course, nine out of ten times it was a lorry. And you can't have a conversation with anybody in a lorry. You can't hear anything. They're so bloody noisy in the uh, in the cabs. Uh, the BBC have been ordered to carry three hours of news on Radio 2. Obviously, they're uh, being very lax, very lax at the moment. And uh, the sweet makers should or could shrink the sizes of their packets to fall in line with how much sugar is supposed to be in things. Because, like, we're all worrying about... How much sugar is it? Do you seriously think that kids, when they pick up a packet of sweets, go, I wonder how much sugar is in this? I don't think they do. I really don't think that they do. But I've got a a pair of girls who've crossed America hitchhiking, and they didn't spend a cent. They did not spend any money at all. And I shall tell you how they did it, because I'm always intrigued by these sort of things that that take place. You think, what, you got from one side of America to the other and you didn't spend any money? Yes. Well, how did you do that? We shall tell you a little bit later on this morning. Uh, If you're one of those people, and I've always wanted one, but I'm certainly not spending this sort of money on it, a beach hut. I found one for you. It's very pretty. It's painted in blue. looks like one of those Farrow and Ball blue colours. I can spot Farrow and Ball colours now. They're slightly different. People like the greys and the greens and things like that. This one is just just over £275,000 for a beach hut. Now, bearing in mind, beach huts you can't live in. In fact, you could probably just about make a cup of tea. I mean, I just sort of, I just lie there with the door open, falling asleep. I mean, during the daytime, I think you're all right, but you're certainly not allowed to stay there overnight. 
They have very strict rules on these things, and they put beach ups in all over the place. It's very popular. It's very lucrative. And they probably cost, you know, I don't know, diddly squat to put up. You probably get a flat pack one for about a thousand, if that. But this one's £275,000. And the reason it's so expensive is because of where it is. So we'll tell you about that. Uh, a lad won a, a, he had a... He got a ticket. He, he went to a McDonald's. And he... Um, they, they give you a free ticket. And he ripped open the ticket, or scratched it, whatever you do with these tickets. I don't know. I've never, never been lucky enough to win anything anyway like that. And he won a free McFlurry. So he goes up to the counter to claim his free McFlurry and he can't because he's 13 and you've got to be 16. And for some reason, they then said, oh, he's got Asperger's. And they went, it doesn't matter. He's got to be 16 to claim it. But it doesn't matter. Somebody else in the family can they made a big brouhaha about this thing. And so he sort of said to them, listen, the family can. <coughs> Sorry, the family can claim it. And so everybody was happy. I've never had a McFlurry. I just know that it's squirty ice cream in a tub and then they sort of put Smarties over the top of it or various other things. And that's all I know about it. But you could obviously win one on this thing. Of course, the family were furious. Why did they give them the ticket in the first place? Well, because I can't tell the age of people. I mean, look at the pictures you see in the newspapers nowadays of sort of young people. And they go, this is so-and-so, so-and-so's 13. And you go, really? You know, people, models, you know, really just absolutely amazing. Here are the girls in the paper today. Crossing America without it costing... Ascent. Uh, what they did here, um, probably little, they're, they're probably regarded with a mixture of pride and a little anxiety. Uh, Miss Quinn, 29, and Miss Little, for 25, also announced they would be crossing 48 of America's 50 states without spending any money. They hitchhiked, they ate cakes from coffee store bins, and once used a dating app Tinder to ensure they had somewhere to sleep. For a roof over their, their heads, they largely relied on Couch Surfing, which is a social networking site connecting travellers with those willing to host them. The only expense was a £300 flight each to Boston. Between May and October, the duo travelled more than 13,500 miles. Isn't that amazing? They had five run-ins with the police. They climbed two mountains, 76 free meals, 49 bought and 27 cooked. Six nights spent in a tent, 116 hitchhiking rides, including 16 in trucks, and one Trump rally. And that's, as they say, um, is the road, the road story to end all road stories. I think that's quite good, actually. I like that sort of thing. I wouldn't personally do it. Yeah, they're just they're cheap freeloaders, as the producer points out. He has a very low opinion of people like that at all. Sorry, hitchhikers? I don't think so. He's the sort of person, you see them standing there, don't you? Whenever there's the Reading Festival or something like that by the side of the road, and, uh, and they've got their, their bags on the back, and I always sort of pull up just a little bit away from them, and as, and as they walk towards the car, I just put the foot on the accelerator and drive off. Oh, it's a bit like bus drivers. Oh, the bus driver I had yesterday was terrible. On that brake, off the brake, on the brake, off the brake, on the brake, off the brake, off the brake, on the brake. Oh, it's ghastly. By the time I got there, I'm beginning to feel quite queasy with this one. It wasn't very good at all. Uh, Wayne the Trolley Dolly in Humid uh, is in Bangkok, is it? Do you know, a friend of mine had an apartment in Bangkok. It was lovely. But uh, even he couldn't cope with the heat after a while. It was just too much. He says the two um, uh, Thai hotel ladies are in attendance, again shouting, Funny man, we like funny man. Every time you say something on the radio, he says, I don't think they actually speak a word of English. But I remember the last time they were in hysterics. 
<coughs> Sorry, funny man cough. Uh, when you were talking about Katie Price's singing, so perhaps they perhaps they do a little bit. Well, of course, Katie Price, as you now know, having heard the programme this morning, she's in big trouble. The photographs that she posted of her topless the other day, she's had another um, another operation to enlarge her, her breasts. I mean, to be honest with you, I mean, really, <laughs> looking a bit tacky now, but she went topless on the beach in the Maldives in, in a Muslim country. It is absolutely forbidden. So I'm expecting a serious apology to, uh, to Muslims there. But, of course, you won't get anything from her because she's not bright enough. Same way that David Beckham didn't have the faintest idea where he was. He goes to China, obviously, some sort of... I'd like to model some pants. Yeah, 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 I'll do that. Yeah, that's OK. OK, do you have any other work at... No, no, no. Lovely picture of you with Harper the other day. Yeah, very nice. What was that about? Stabilised off the bike. Oh, right. Well, she's riding by herself. How old is she? Five. OK, thanks. £18, Steve, for a hole with a stick in it. Well, two holes. And they've shaved the bottom of it as well. That's cheap. There's a shop uh, near me which sells much more expensive sticks with loads of holes in there. They're called flutes. And, well, I agree with you. I mean, I've, I've never heard... Perhaps you can play a stick. I don't know if you hollowed a... Of course you can. What do you think a recorder is? Yeah, panpipes as well. They were good. They were very popular, panpipes, at one time. I frankly, every time somebody came on the television, George Zamfir was the most popular one, and uh, I, I frankly wanted to push him off the end of South End Pier because I was so bored. And everywhere they actually turn up, we, we, we actually get them in um, Kingston. But we get panpipes, but they, they, they arrive in, and then they dress up as Red Indians. And, uh, and, they, and they play the panpipes. It's all amplified. It's pretty clever. And then they go into it, and, hey, uh, uh, hey, uh, and they're playing the panpipes at the same time. It's quite atmospheric. You know, if you were thinking about a new gig for a party, this would be the act to get. They're brilliant, but George Zamfir's a giant. I think he got in the charts with his... Oh, sorry, I thought I was listening to his music for some reason. I'm not. I'm listening to the uh, the news coming up very shortly on LBC. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, every Bananas are up in price. I just thought I'd mention that now. Apparently, it's due to floods. Floods have apparently taken over where... Because the banana tree apparently only fruits once... And uh, and then they sort of, I think, dig it up and then they sort of put another one in or something. I don't know why. You mustn't eat too many bananas. Good for you, but only short supply. Marilyn says, I like Theresa May, but I think the skirts are too short. Good Lord. I mean, that, that would be, if I'd said that, that would be sexist. Can't say that. I mean, mind you, I do think sometimes, not Theresa May in particular, but I do think that uh, school children now have way too short skirts. I mean, seriously way too short skirts. I mean, absolutely. But that's just me. I'm probably getting very old-fashioned, I suppose. CJ says, I know Southwold is nice, but why not buy a big brand-new camper van with all mod cons instead of an overrated and drastically overpriced beach hut? Given the choice, I'm afraid it would have to be the beach hut. I seriously couldn't actually hold my head up high in Twickenham driving a camper van. I do know people with camper vans. I want to point that out. I'm not anti-camper vans. It's just that I wouldn't have one myself. Um, I quite like the idea of a Winnebago. A Winnebago. I don't know if you've ever been in a Winnebago, but a, a friend of mine, uh, Dave, used to work for one of the film companies, and um, and he would sort of take people away for the weekend in this huge Winnebago, which had, I think, two bedrooms in it. There was a bathroom. Not even, well, I said bathroom. There was a small little place, but a cooking, and, and it was lovely. And these things are, are very popular in America, and now you get them over here. So I quite fancy a Winnebago, but it's got to be in stainless steel. It can only be in, they only look good in stainless steel with, with maybe a car attached to the back of it. I quite fancy that idea. Uh, the other story running in the uh, papers today uh, is the robin 
Numbers are flying to a 20-year high. We saw a robin being attacked the other day by another little bird. Because robins are quite solitary. And um, I'd, I downloaded... Seriously, I need to get a life. Um, there was an app, and I think it was from the RSPB, of all the birds. And when you... I know, I know, I, I realise I really need to get out a bit more. But when you push the app on that particular bird, it played their bird song. And so it was, it, it was quite nice, actually. <clears throat> and so I remember being in a, in a garden centre, and there was a robin, and it was sitting on one of the beams, and I pushed the robin app... And my phone started playing, a ro- and this little robin, it was, I know, it was, it was sort of listening. It was listening. I'm not, I'm not going to become a twitcher or something like that. I'm really, I'm not that sort of desperately sad. I, uh, I just, but I, I was sort of listening to all these bird calls. And, and this robin definitely was interested in my, so I don't know what my robin bird call was saying on the RSPB thing, because I don't speak robin. I'm not, uh, I'm not that sort of person. But uh, I, just, I don't know why I mentioned that, actually. It's only because the robin numbers have soared to a 20-year high. They're very solitary. And somebody sent me in once some... Oh, look, pictures of birds. Um, somebody sent me in once some bird food for robins. And it had mealworm and stuff like that. Because you don't feed them bread. You're not supposed to feed them bread. They don't want bread or anything like that or biscuits. That would just be stupid. But uh, it's lovely when you sort of look at pictures of, pictures of birds and everything else, you know. Not really my kind of thing, really. But, uh, but I, I just mentioned the app to you, just in case you were thinking about getting it. You know, if you really want to go down that route. Um, the other story about this liquids ban from Eurostar trains. This was only on this one train the other day, and uh, it was only coming in from Brussels. But they were well ahead of it. That's what I. That's what I quite like with the services. They're very good, aren't they? Definitely, very, very good indeed. George Michael's funeral, if you've just woken up, did go ahead yesterday. Uh, they moved his body in uh, the night before so that they didn't sort of arouse too much suspicion. It went in with a, a blacked-out windowed van, and uh, then he remained there until yesterday, and they all turned up. The Kemp family were there, Pepsi and Shirley, of course, and uh, one half of, uh, of Mrs Kemp, that's Shirley, and Andrew Ridgely was there, and uh, the two uh, Kemp children were there. Children, I'm saying, I call them children. They're sort, of, they're sort of forging ahead. I think they've moved out of the home. In fact, I know they've moved out of the home because Martin told us. That they've uh, that they've moved out. So Roman was there and his sister as well, because they were both uh, George's. <coughs> <coughs> Sorry, I choked myself. Then uh, both godchildren. So when they're going to read the will, I don't know. I really don't know what's what's happening with the will. Whether there'll be a public reading, whether there'll be a private reading. Is it lodged with the bank? I've got, I know nothing about it. Is it with his accountants? Who knows? But uh, it could be worth a lot of money. It could be it could be one of these wills that because he's still generating. He's st- and he'll generate for for years to come, years to come. Steve in the 80s says, Ron, I bought a 28-day air pass for unlimited flights in America. It cost $298. I flew all over the States, stayed in the airline's VIP lounges, a bed, free food and drinks. Total cost to me nothing apart from the air pass. Well, in my early days, and I don't even know if they still do these things now, when I came up to London, they used to do what was commonly known for children as a Red Rover. And the Red Rover ticket... Um, and I think they did another colour. Perhaps it was a blue rover as well. Whether it's the boys or girls, I don't know. But you had this ticket, and that meant that you went free on the buses all day. Now, it might have been the underground. I cannot remember. It was a long time ago. And I remember thinking, what a brilliant thing. I mean, nowadays, you know, for kids coming up to London, that would be the ideal thing. To, but now you've got an Oyster card. You just give them an Oyster I remember my brother came up to London. I gave him my Oyster card, not my 
person of a certain age Oyster card thing. But another one, I said, use that. It, it's, it's got loads of credit on it, and you can hop on the train and the bus and everything else. And so I got an extra Oyster card for his girlfriend. And so they, they could use it all day, and then they just popped it back in the post to me, I think. Which was much easier, because people don't realise that you can't get on buses and pay now. You've got to, you've got to have the Oyster card, which I think is a godsend. I mean, seriously, I, I, think, it's, I think it's really brilliant. I'm very, very, very pleased with it. Uh, if you're a dog lover, you're going to love the, uh, the Daily Mail today, because they've got a picture of, um, of a dog here. Um, a very tired dog. Why? Because she's just given birth to 15 puppies. I mean, that is kind of like your entire football team at one time. And there's lovely pictures of them. And uh, they all wanted to be fed at the same time. And there's something absolutely gorgeous about these uh, puppies. And you just, if, if, even if you're not a dog lover, you're going to want to get the whole lot. Please, can I have all of these? Because it would be wonderful. But uh, when all 15 of them need a feed... That's when mum's going, oh, my Godfather, that's so exhaustive. It's a lovely picture, actually. And about time we had some nice pictures. The other good news today is that the temperature is, uh, is going to reach 21 degrees. They're very excited about this. The news are very excited. I've never known them so excited, seriously, since, uh, since Brexit, which was only yesterday. And, uh, but now 21 degrees, mainly because we're all going, oh, it's cold in the morning. When are we going to get some... Some nice weather. Well, you've got it today, and by the time you get to three o'clock this afternoon, we should have reached the zenith. We should have got to the uh, to the top up. Uh, incidentally, this is in um, oh dear, not, I'm sure I can tell you this. Even by my standards, it might be a little bit early. There is a big hoarding uh, outside uh, Walsall FC by the M6, and what is it doing? It's advertising book your Christmas parties. Book your Christmas parties. Ben Goodman, who comes from Wolverhampton, said, I couldn't believe my eyes. He said, it's got to be the earliest Christmas advert in the country. And um, Holly, who comes from West Bromwich, said, Christmas only felt like five minutes ago, but Walsall said they are, get- they are getting inquiries already. And I have to be honest, if you're, if you're going... I know it's going to sound ridiculous. I'm now, now going back on my own, uh, my own sort of silly petard here. But uh, if you're going out at Christmas, you do need to start booking for Christmas parties. It's only 270 days to go. Come on. Have you not started looking at trees and baubles? Come on. I might. I mean, I do have Christmas lights up all year, but I don't call them Christmas lights. I just call them twinkling lights, which is better. 1985, Steve, the Red Bus Rover, 60 pence, unlimited rides. That was, I mean, that was what we as, we as children had. 60 pence, that was. Mind you, 1985, that was quite cheap, actually, I thought. 60 pence. And it was for kids, specifically designed for kids to get them around London. I miss at Earl's Court, Olympia, uh, they used to have the Boys and Girls Exhibition. And the Boys and Girls Exhibition was everything for children, everything for us. Everything for us. We didn't, you know, subsequently it kind of sort of fizzled out. And what would you go there for? You'd go there, they'd be demonstrating the latest toys. We'd like going to an enlarged Hamleys. You know, where people stand on an orange box and throw a plane at you and it sort of takes off or they've got bubble gun machines where, you know, bubbles shoot out of this sort of... I always wanted one of those, but I thought my mother would hate it. And uh, so I never bought one. And the the only time I did buy something abroad, it gave up after about about a week, which wasn't so good. But the Boys and Girls exhibition at Earl's Court was fantastic. But you'd always come away with the same thing. What was it? It was a pretend snake. There would be a stall that sold plastic snakes. And you would, when you're kids, you think people are... You know, years ago, there was a company, might even still be around, called Ellisdons. And Ellisdons did what they call little packet magic tricks and jokes. And a lot of kids' toy shops used to have a, a revolving stand and you could buy mucky dog poo. 
and it was <laughs> pretend dog poo. Uh, whoopee cushions, fake fried egg, you know, hot sweets, black face soap where it had a thing on it and they washed their hands and then their hands went all black and all that kind of stuff. And it was supposed to be hilarious. And I bought nearly all of the stuff. It was also the place that sold X-ray specs. If you bought the X-ray specs, you could see through people's clothing. Can you imagine how exciting that was? I never left buses. I was buying Red Rover after Red Rover after Red Rover. I just sat on the bus all day. It was like being in a nudist camp. It was fantastic. I loved every minute of it. <laughs> so there they were. Ben from Barnet says, thank you for reminding me. Great days out with my friends in the summer holiday. It was, do you know, for kids, they don't seem to look after kids because kids have got phones and they've got computers and stuff like that. We didn't have things like that when we were younger. God, when we were younger. You know, the Oyster card gets them on the bus for free. Yes, I know. I think that's disgraceful. They shouldn't get, they should have to wait till they're a certain age before they get on the bus for free. Because it goes beep, 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 if it's a kid, doesn't it? Mine doesn't do anything at all. They look at me. Yeah, freeloaders. <laughs> but it was good fun, actually. Great fun for kids. There was more to do. You're more excited about your days out than nowadays just sit there staring at your telephone. Very boring. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to have you company. It's LBC. It's Steve Allen with you until 7 o'clock uh, this morning. And um, uh, you're beginning to share something about Prince Charles. You were distracted. I know that was some- somebody had written in. I didn't know what it was. Somebody had written about Prince Charles. I didn't, I didn't know what it was that they were talking about. So we kind of, we just assumed that it was medication or something and we sort of left it to one side. Somebody was saying that uh, there was a documentary on the television last night and it was talking about the uh, division between Charles and the Queen because I think when, when the Queen passes, which I mean seems, seems no time soon, uh, they, um, he's, he's moving, I think, as opposed to Buckingham Palace, I think he'll move everything to Windsor. But, of course, it's not polite to sort of start mentioning that while Her Majesty is still alive, because I'm sure there will be changes. I think the royal family will change completely after the Queen dies. I'm, I see all sorts of changes. I think they'll be running riot, absolutely running riot. Uh, 84850, steve at uk. There's a man in the paper today. Uh, first of all, we had the, the 90-year-old who transgendered, and he's joined the WI. He's, he, he was married. He fought. Um... And he didn't want to come out because he wasn't sure what people's reaction to him would be. And because he's the age he is, and I think he's possibly the oldest person who's ever come out uh, as trans at 90. He's only done it recently. He's only just come out to everybody recently. Uh, His wife knew about it and she used to buy him dresses and things like that. A very sympathetic person. And so he's now, I think he's joined the WI. Now, I don't know if the WI know <laughs> that he's trans and whether or not it would make any difference to them. Because he looks just like a, a sweet little old lady. That's, and he's called Patricia. And, um, and looks absolutely fine. But he only came out because he saw a documentary uh, in 2015 called Boy Meets Girl, which featured a transgender character. And uh, Patricia says, I felt an overwhelming desire that I wanted to break free. So I came out and I've not regretted it. I feel quite relieved, quite happy being accepted as a woman. Because you would, you would pass, Patricia. In the sh- you wouldn't know. I don't, I don't think you would know. Just looks because, because she's 90. And I think it's the oldest person. So, I mean, you know, waited a long time and finally come out. But there's another man in the paper today as well. Well, in fact, quite a few men in the papers. But this particular one here is a guy called Bill. Uh, Bill Frankland survived a Japanese POW camp. He treated Saddam Hussein. He invented the pollen count. And, uh, oh, yes, 
He's still working. He says, I can't imagine what people would do when they retire at the age of 65. And he says, I've, I've got... So he's still working. How old is he? He's 105. He's on his second card from the Queen. And um, he's had all sorts of things here. Uh, it was something of a scandal that, you know, with all the things that he'd done in his life, he hadn't actually been awarded anything. And so now he has. But he does, he's, he's, he's still doing practice. At 105. You see, people are definitely living longer. And what are we constantly being told? Constantly being told that all the food is bad for you. Everything that you eat, it's terrible. It, you know, just, oh, you're eating all the wrong stuff. Well, how, these people must be eating the same stuff as the rest of us. They really must. Here it is. It's Britain's most expensive beach hut. It's, it's quite nice. There's no running water. There's no mains electricity in it. It's a bit of a disappointment, really. It's 18 feet by uh, by 11. Getting there requires a ride on a novelty land train or a 30-minute walk. Worse still, wait for this, this will be hopeless for me. Hopeless. 275,000 it is, but they say you've got to walk to the public loo next to a communal shower block. However, what the new lucky owner does get is one of the finest spots on Muddiford Spit, which is near Christchurch in Dorset. I mean, it does sound quite nice. They say you can sleep. So obviously you can sleep in this one. It's got a kitchenette, uh, a gas oven, sun deck, an underground storage space. What they've done is it's on stilts. They've just blocked it in. So that's called underground storage space. I used to love that. I'm a sand. I used to love sitting on sand. But uh, it's uh, space to sleep four or six people on bunk and fold out sofas. So it's very sought after. And it's also blooming expensive. £275,000. Of course, people listening in the northern part of this glorious land of ours will be laughing, going, a beach hut? Why, I and our place, you can get a road for that price. £275,000. Somebody will buy it. Somebody will buy it. It's because it's got that, uh, you know, exclusivity value, hasn't it? Um, uh, Jem Jem says, do you remember Alan Allen's? Oh, yes, absolutely. I remember Alan Allen completely. There was a joke shop in Southampton Row in Hoban. Uh, there was also Davenport's, opposite the British Museum. Uh, near me, in Ilford, Magic and Fun, used to sell novelties. Yes, I remember, well, Davenport's, of course, is in the Strand, on the underpass now. They moved from over the road. Oh, I went to Davenport's on many, 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 many occasions. Alan Allen, I used to see at the Magic Circle, and uh, he died some years ago. They sold the shop on, but he sold novelties as well as, as, well as tricks. He was an escapologist. That's what he was. He was an escapologist, somebody who escapes from being tied up. I also knew a woman in Soho who did roughly the same kind of thing, but there was a feed attached to it. Jill in Bracknell says, uh, it's my birthday today. Unbelievably, 61. Oh, that must be dreadful. I can't imagine what it's going to be like when I get to, uh, to 61. I remember going on a Red Bus Rover, Steve, with friends when I was about 13. It was so exciting. We used the photo booths to get a strip of pictures, which took ages to come out and dry which I still have. Yes, I've got a few as well. And then at Charing Cross, we made a record in a booth. We sung, and then he kissed me. Yes, such fabulous memories, says Jan. I'm still friends and spend time with these ladies now, and we are 55. Do you remember when you could go to the station in London and you could go into a booth and you could make a record and, and it would come out? It was a little thin piece of plastic with your scratchy little voice on it. But my favourite was putting in a penny and you turned the handle on a big machine and it... It turned it into something else, but I can't remember what it turned it into. I think it just, did it bend it or something like, whatever it was, it was something that we had when we were younger. That's right, it was a souvenir of the place or something. It was good. 
I'm sure there was much more about when we were younger, ladies and gentlemen. Jill says, you've got a gift of creating amusing pictures in your listeners' minds. Still chuckling about you in a camper van. <laughs> Twickenham. <laughs> That's the good thing about radio, isn't it? That's the good thing about radio, that you can paint pictures and people can imagine. But also, all the things I've done, many of you have done as well. Tess says, my brother and I used to get a green bus rover that took you to South End. Wow, that was a day out. And, uh, and Steve says, 60p in 1985, the equivalent today, pound twenty-seven. <laughs> Still cheap. Still cheap. But I, I remember the so it was Red Rovers and Green Rovers. That was the, uh, that was the thing. I, I, I can't remember anything else. Little Julie says, my bird feed is a full up along with the water topped up in the water bowl. I'm waiting on the frogs to appear to lay their spawn. We used to do that in rivers. You'd pick up frog spawn, take it home, and then they start turning into little frogs. Little, little itsy bitsy frogs. Nobody does that now, do they? We used to have a jam jar. You say to mum, you've got a jam jar. And of course, mums being mums always had, uh, had jam jars. Uh, Phil Vickery says, um, I've got a beach hut. He says, I'm off to chat to an estate agent. Blooming heck. Yes, to, yes it, it, it depends whether you've got the view. I should imagine, though, you'd have quite... I was talking about you yesterday. I was talking about you to Lisa Faulkner, who came in yesterday, because she's got a recipe in her latest book, um, which is from Fern. And I said, oh, right, because Lisa's a listener to this programme as well. And um, she's popped up on uh, on This Morning and on Saturday Kitchen and loads of other things. She's always lovely, actually. She's a big fan of James O'Brien. I've tried to dissuade her, but what can you do about it? So she had to had to go and see him and do a quick wave. He's always very excited when celebrities pop down there. It makes him feel as though a bit of the glitter that's on me kind of rubs off on him. And then he feels he feels more sort of show busy. Obviously not when he does Newsnight, because that's not a very show-busy type programme. Although I reckon some of those little jackets that he wears, you could pop some glitter on the shoulder, for goodness sake. Perhaps you could have sort of a light-up bow tie. Make the programme marginally more entertaining, you know. Anyway, uh, Steve, Rhea Beach Hut. I have to admit, a room with a view, or rather a hut with a view, is priceless, says CJ. I don't... Yeah. My mum-in-law is 100 in June. Do I have to apply for a card from the Queen? Now, that I can't tell you. Somewhere in the back of my mind... I think you do have to write in with their details. I think so. And then then they can check it out. I don't think it comes up automatically. I don't think so. I'm not sure. I'll, I'll try and find out over the course of the news and, uh, and we'll let you know. I'm, I'm sure you have to apply to Buckingham Palace for the Queen to send a card for somebody's 100th and then they will, they will check it out there. And that's how I thought it worked. It, it might be somewhat different now. I, am I right? Yes. Applying for an anniversary message... You apply, here we go, you can either apply online at apply.royal.gov.uk, OK? And uh, you can't uh, send anything by courier, OK? So, uh, more images, especially designed frame for anniversary message available to purchase, blah, 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 blah. So it's apply.royal.gov.uk, that's online, OK? There you go, we sort it all out for you. And uh, congratulations to mum-in-law. 100 in June. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to have your company. Coming up with Nick Ferrari at breakfast at 7 this morning. He'll bring you the latest fallout from Theresa May's triggering of Article 50, as she's accused of trying to blackmail the EU on security cooperation. Nick will speak to the Brexit Secretary David Davis as we enter the two-year negotiating period. Plus... A Corbyn's days finally up as his personal polling reaches new lows. All of that with Nick Ferrari at breakfast this morning from seven here on LBC. Uh, we'll run through the uh, the front pages in a moment. Just quickly, let me clear up uh, some of your texts and emails. When I say clear up, I mean hoover up, vacuum, or whatever else you do with them. The last Red Rover ticket I bought 
Steve, was in 1969 when I was 10, and it cost three shillings. Oh, try and convert that. Three shillings, 15 pence, isn't it? I think. Uh, Tim says, I bought it at Romford Bus Garage. I got the bus to Newbury Park Tube Station, the central line into central London. You can use it on all of London transport. We went to the Science Museum, Trafalgar Square, and I had my first Wimpy and Chips. It cost two shillings in Farringdon Road, just off Fleet Street. Great memories. How great are those memories? How great. Do you know, I'm sure it was different when we were younger. I know it sounds... I began to wonder... You know, when you get a little bit older, and now I'm heading into double figures, mentally, I've kind of sort of worked out that, that memories are such great things to have. And when somebody triggers something and somebody says something, uh, you go, wow. I was talking to my brother the other day about when we lived in Yorkshire. We lived next to this big... We lived in this little tiny village... Uh, our house was at the end of a dirt drive. It was built in the 1700s. We know that because written on the roof in tiles, coloured tiles, was the date that the house was put up. We had a smuggler's tunnel underneath, which came from the hall next door. And my brother went up there and he said that um, he said they're converting the hall into flats. And I would go, wow, because I always remember when I was a lad, when I was sort of going to this uh, school, and I'd have probably been about... I'm trying to think. I failed my 11 plus. I remember that. <laughs> it was a dismal failure. Imagine failing your 11 plus and then going to a school where it were it were real northern. It were real Yorkshire, and uh, we were in this sort of this seaside town. But we didn't. You know, the kids who went to the school, we didn't know anything about seaside towns. It was just a school, and um, and I can remember in the middle of the winter when it got cold, and you'd walk up the road to go and get the school bus, and all you could hear was the crunch, crunch, crunch of your feet on the freshly uh, freshly fallen snow. It was lovely, lovely memories. And uh, I've always thought about that. So in the same way that Tim had his memories from buying the uh, from buying the Red Rover ticket. And there was more to do in London. There was loads to do in London. Kids, you know, you could spend hours in the Science Museum. Still can. Uh, Tom says the penny squashing souvenir machines still exist all over the place. Uh, my kids got one most recently at Hampton Court Palace and about 10 different ones at Disney in Florida last year. Wow. Oh, so they still exist. There you go. Steve, we played uh, Lark Ascending by Vaughan Williams in the garden the other day, and the birds sang like mad. Have you noticed they've started going mad, the birds? Mad. You can't, you can't shut them up. Shut up! You can't stop them singing at all. It's dreadful. It's not really. It's lovely. And that's why today it is going to be the hottest day. Make the most of it. If it is the hottest day, remember you heard it first with Steve Allen. And if it turns out to be a miserable overcast day, I'll blame it on somebody else. Uh, Steve, where have all the sparrows gone? Um, well, they're out there. There's just not as many. They've been overtaken by rooks and crows and things like that, who are far more industrious and can rip rip bags um, to pieces to get at the food inside. Uh, on the garden story, the law states, if there's an overhang, you're entitled to not only cut back, but also throw the bits back into the offending garden. Ooh, I wouldn't recommend that. I wasn't sure about that, about that. If you've got things that come into your garden from, from elsewhere, I don't know. Interesting, isn't it? 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. With that budget, says CJ, I was referring to a Winnebago, but I didn't want to try spelling it. I know it's dreadful. If, you, if you're not good on, on the spelling, you know, then you've really got to start worrying about it. David just turned on LBC, which is good news. And the front pages we'll look at. First of all, the mail. Today, a picture of Nigel Farage with his, uh, with his socks on, his Union flag socks. Cheers to a great British future, but on day one... EU's already wailing about the PM's blackmail and a row over a new trade deal. This is the uh, this is the front page of all the stories because it was an historic day yesterday. You've now got to wait the two years for due process to take place, but it was an historic day. When you think, as I said, I said uh, yesterday and the day before, all the things that we've lived through, 
in our lifetime. Men on the moon, you know, portable telephones. You know, we don't think it's anything unusual now to have a telephone with, you know, there's no wires trailing out of it, no aerial. The early phones, it's pull an aerial out. Now there's no, there's no aerials at all. It's so clever. All this stuff has gone on. We've lost a whole raft of, of super huge celebrities uh, proving that you make the best of everything you've got. Every single day you get with people, make the best of it. Because the sun are running on the front page, 94 days. 94 days, count them, after George Michael died. He finally got buried the other day. Uh, a tale of two lovers, his uh, current lover, uh, Faddy who was with him for four years. I mean, you know, in gay terms, that's, that's pretty cool. Pretty cool. Kenny was there as well. But, uh, you know, he was, he was talking to him. But Faddy was the boyfriend. And so Faddy went to the funeral. He didn't go to the wake because that was obviously something the family wanted privately for themselves. You know, and uh, Faddy probably didn't come into their lives very much. He was in George's life. You know, I, I, I don't think George spent a lot of time with his family. I think he liked his family. But I don't think there was uh, there was a lot that went on there. That's why I can't wait to see this will. I'm so obsessed with this will. It's become it's become the the, the passion that burns inside me to learn what he's going to do with this so-called 100 million pounds. Whether or not it is 100 million pounds, I don't know. I think he'll do charitable bequests. That's what he'll do. And then I think he'll leave money to the godchildren. Whether he leaves money to um, to former lovers or current lovers, I don't know. I don't know when he made this will. That, that that's what would be the telling. The telling part. Uh, the PM's Brexit threat to the EU. Your money or your lives. Trade with us and we'll help fight terror. That's on the uh, the front of the sun this morning. Oh, there's also a new Mary Berry book, uh, which is coming, where she tells you how to clean the toilet. As well. This is uh, this is the all-encompassing Mary Berry book. She's telling you everything, so it's not necessarily caking. This is sort of everything around the house. Uh, Paul in Maidstone, I didn't go to the cardiologist yesterday. I've got to make an appointment. I've got to, I've got to get back to them today to try and get an appointment to go and uh, sort that bit out. So I'm not really looking forward to it. I hate that uh, bloody ECG machine. I hate even thinking about it, to be honest with you, because I know what it is. You have to go down there. They're going to put stickers on. You have to take your shirt off. I mean, that in itself is very traumatic as far as I'm concerned. And then they sort of they sit there totally indifferent and they start this, having connected you up to this machine with all these stickers all over your body. I mean, I really, I look ridiculous. And, uh, and then you start walking and then they speed the machine up. And it's at that moment that you feel like, I think my life is about to finish. Not good. Mick says the green parrots chase away all the other birds in Wallington. Yes, we have 20,000 green parrots. You can't tell me anything about green parrots because every evening at about six o'clock they come over. A wave of green parrots. They're, they're cockatoos, aren't they? I think or something like that. Or parakeets. Whatever it is, I, I quite like them. I quite like them. But uh, a lot of people absolutely hate them. But there again, you know, I don't like pigeons. Uh, the Daily Star today is offering George the final farewell, private family funeral, wham, bandmates, weep at grave. It's a funeral. What do you expect? Singing and dancing and jumping up and down. Kate Moss is snubbed. Lover faddy gate crashes service. No, he just turned, he turned up for the funeral service. Why don't he make something out of nothing here? For goodness sake. Uh, Mel B's three in a bed first picture. Sure, you're thrilled about that one. And uh, EU chief, miss you already. And uh, missing Danny boosts EastEnders. Dan- Danny Dyer's exit from EastEnders has sent the ratings up. Well, that's bad news, isn't it? In other words, get, get rid of a character or they disappear off and the ratings go up. Oh, the, the good news is there's a fish and chip shop. Uh, to celebrate something the other day, they were selling fish and chips. You've got a big box of chips and a big portion of fish. Penny. A penny. They gave away... Well, they, they sold... Um, um, 10,000, 10,000 of them, 
10th. I mean, I'd have, I'd have driven up there as well for free fish and chips. It was a place called Puppers. It thought the stunt cost them about 40 grand. Everybody else, of course, went, yeah, got fish and chips. Can't beat it, can you? And The Simpsons, uh, they've let slip. This is the actress who plays Lisa, who's Yardley Smith. She says uh, it's going to be around till 2039. 2039, that's, uh, that's, uh, that's a long time. Uh, David says, I've just turned the radio on, and Steve said, David has just turned his radio on. Bloody hell, that's a great presenter who knows his audience. It's uncanny, isn't it? Yeah, I can tell. I think you need to get yourself dressed, though, David. You know, you're going to be late for work again. We have to. I'm, I'm basically an alarm call for most people at this time of the morning. I think they actually gauge the Steve Allen time checks, of which they are few on this programme, as sort of where you're supposed to be at any particular time. We've got people who work in the office who kind of turn the radio on, and then they sort of... Oh, he's late going to the break. If I'm late going to the break, then they miss their buses. Of course, now I do it deliberately. Now they've told me this. It's ridiculous, isn't it, really? The demise of the London Sparrow, says Francis, is part caused by the design of new buildings. There are no little gaps under the eaves and often no eaves to provide nesting places. I think they're eaten by the crows, aren't they, and everything else like that. I feel a bit sorry. But we just have millions of spe- starlings we still have i think in london they do these fantastic designs when they all fly together it's very coordinated nobody crashes into anybody terribly clever uh, we bought a 3000 acre game farm in south africa with a 3 meter high fence uh, around the boundary fully stocked with 10 species of game came with an eight bedroom all ensuite under thatch big swimming pool tennis court even came with a complement of staff, all for 290000 The different worlds we live in, says Dave. See, Dave is listening as well. Daves are everywhere this morning. But that's it. You go to France. Remember I told you the other day that uh, they had somebody from EastEnders, Ricky. Uh, he was on there. And people go, look at the size of his house. Look at the size of his house. And I went, it's in France. They're cheap. They're cheap. There's a mansion over there. It's enormous. Twelve bedrooms. Ten reception rooms. Blah, blah, blah. Enormous. And it's 490000 you could pick up places in France cheap. They could be in the middle of nowhere. But uh, you're right, South Africa, cheap property. A friend of mine went to South Africa for Christmas. He said it was the cheapest place he'd ever been to. Never been to anywhere cheaper. I think they went eating out, you know, top restaurants, seven quid a head. Seven pound a head, or the equivalent. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. OK, quickly, for those people looking for trains this morning, it's 11 minutes to seven. I know. You're really late, aren't you? Really late. Iceman says, we spent a lot of our school holidays in places like Hamley's and other large toy stores. The assistants loved it as we were doing their work for them. Oh, I mean, we were fascinated by toy stores when we were little. Fascinated. It was just sort of, we didn't have any money for anything at all. But we were happy with a balsa wood model plane. Seriously, I mean, I can remember buying balsa wood planes and it was just a piece of, it was pressed obviously on a machine and it came with a, a slot in it and you just push the wing through and attach the bit at the back and then... And then through it, that was it. They were, they were like, I can't remember how much they were. I think it was pennies. I'm pretty certain. Uh, ben says, the problem around our way is buzzards. They eat all the small birds and have no natural predator. Buzzards? Good Lord. Very odd. Dan says, after the momentous day yesterday, I've awoken to birds singing, people walking around, not in a daze. Was there no apocalypse? Apparently not. Apparently not. I'm having a little picture at the moment of a green parakeet. Uh, which sort of, I mean, they are lovely. The, the rumour is that all these parakeets that we've got in West London, and they seem to be uh, popping up all over the place, is they were from the film The African Queen, um, which was being filmed down the road in Isleworth, and they think that a few of them escaped, and they learnt to adapt to life in uh, in the wild, as it were, and they multiplied and multiplied and multiplied. And so now there's about 20,000 of them, I think, 
which fly over and they nest in Bushy Park. But that's the story that they escaped from from the African Queen, filmed down in Isleworth at the studios there. There you go. <laughs> now you know. Now you know. Steve, as a kid, we used to go to the joke shop in Hoburn. That was Alan Allen's. The jar of coffee where a flying snake would shoot out and stink bombs that smelt of drains, but they didn't smell of drains, but gas. Fairlop High School in Hainaut was evacuated. British gas was called in. I still today, I still today have got away with it, says Dave. Oh, not another Dave. Honestly, I'm plagued with Daves this morning. Um, da, 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 da. Sun this morning. Uh, have we done this? Yes, this is... Uh, we've just done that one, haven't we? What have I not done here? That's right, quickly. So the son, the, the George funeral tale of two lovers. George, the final farewell, because it happened the other day. Trading blows. The mirror. Farewell, George. Friends' tears as star laid to rest. It's only taken 90-odd days. I mean, dear Lord, I mean, you couldn't... I'm going to wait that long, because it was backwards and forwards, and they didn't release his body. But anyway, now... Now it's all fine. Now it's all fine. So people, you remember that forever. You always remember those sort of things. Trading blows. Merkel rejects PM's plea for early talks on single market. May in security threat to EU if UK cannot secure deal. Daily Express. 2,316 days after the Express started our historic crusade to free Britain from Brussels. Theresa May insisted there's no turning back on EU exit. So there's a picture of Nigel Farage with a familiar pint. And uh, Theresa May hailing the great turning point as Brexit was formally set in motion. You've now got to wait two years. It's going to take two years. So it's a long, a long time, long time. But uh, I guarantee you people will still be people will be talking about this for, for about the next week and a half. People are going, what's actually going to happen? What, what, you know, what, what would happen? What was happening yesterday? Nothing. Nothing. They just she signed a letter and they sent it over and that was it. I think the most important thing yesterday, apart from from Brexit, was all those people who turned up on Westminster Bridge. Everybody. We were completely united on that bridge. Every faith, every colour, every creed. It didn't make any difference. We all unite together uh, under the one banner. Thank you very much indeed. The essential daily briefing is the I, Alf Wiedersehen. And uh, they've done it in just about every language. Basically, goodbye. Basically, goodbye. Britain's ambassador to the EU delivers the letter that triggers Brexit. European Council President Tusk says we miss you already. That's nice, isn't it? May hails historic moment from which there can be no turning back. Reunification of Ireland. Corbyn backs referendum. Uh, Nick Ferrari is going to be talking about that this morning on breakfast, just after the news at seven. And a picture of the thousands joining hands in Westminster Vigil as the inquests hear how the victims died. Uh, Also, the comment today, the NHS is not a supermarket, so stop treating it like one. And Mary Berry's got a new book out. So it's not a cookery book, it's a cleaning up book. She'll tell you how to clean. I should imagine with her experience and her age, she will know everything about about the cleaning. Because that's what people people want to know about, isn't it, really? Uh, Tremendous parakeet problem in Bristol, says Will Guyatt. And uh, he says they use my car as target practice. They did on my car the other day. It was a disaster. Seriously. I don't know. I I mean, this must have been the biggest bird under the sun, which sort of decided to pepper my car. I was out there cleaning it for ages and ages. Uh, Phil Vickery says, ah, lovely, sir. The book's super. It's a really super book. He says, my hut is right right on the cobbles. Well, there you go. (laughs) Probably a joke there somewhere, I should imagine. (laughs) Couldn't possibly repeat because it always makes me cough. I'm afraid. Uh, It was a twin rover that allowed you to travel on the buses and the tube in the 50s. My friend Tony and I spent all day, Steve, uh, on the underground exploring such uh, exotic places as Surrey, Docks and Highgate. We were still at junior school. And apparently on the Isle of Thanet, says Tony, we still have honey buzzards. 
What in God's name are honey buzzards? That sounds a bit worrying, wasn't it? I think the planes were sixpence, says Jerry. You had to put a, a lead weight under the nose. I just remember it came in a plastic packet and you just pushed the wing through it and then you threw it and it sort of... It was good. It's like if you go to Hamleys, they've got people who stand there throwing throwing these little planes, and of course people always buy them. The honey buzzard is a large bird of prey, similar to the buzzard, except this one's got broad wings and a long tail. Apparently the nest sites are usually kept secret because you get egg collectors. Numbers are increasing as a result of upland conifer forests maturing. It's a summer visitor. It spends the winter in Africa. How nice. What does it do, just hop on a plane or something and go to Africa? That's quite nice, isn't it? My boss said to me the other day, he's always saying that, he said, um, don't you think you need a holiday? So I hate it when people say that to me. It frightens the life out of me. I said, what would I do on holiday? I said, by the time I sort of got to the destination, I'm going to be very stressed out. I'm going to be sitting there in my Speedos, uh, on my little sun lounger, with a, a spray bottle of Ombre Solaire and a bottle of Prosecco pushed into the sand and an umbrella. I'm going to hate every minute of it. Every minute. So what is the point of going on holiday? I said, every day's a holiday. I mean, today I'm going to the Millionaire's Playground of Twickenham. I shall be luxuriating on my patio and it will be delightful and I shall serve myself probably a one or two glasses of Prosecco and I will think that I'm in Barbados because there's no point in going there. It just doesn't enter. He does holiday, but he's got family. But, I mean, I'd just I'd be bored witless. Bored. I get as much excitement sitting on a bus nowadays. Is it History Hour today on James O'Brien's show? No, today's. Um, what are we doing today? It's musical hour again today. Yeah, we, I, I know that a few of you missed it last week, which was a shame because they, he did a lot on the harpsichord, a lot on it with a lot of that Elizabethan music, which I know is so popular. Today, it's Brit hip hop that he's concentrating on. So, so get out all your ragger and everything else and you can, you can be part of it as well. If you miss it, incidentally, you're probably tuned to the wrong frequency because there's, there's what they call a... I don't know how to explain this to you. There's a sub-frequency. There's, there's what normal people hear and then there's... Special people hear this other stuff. So I'm just saying that to you now, OK? So, uh, so that'll be today. So Musical Hour with Brit Hip Hop will be. Yeah, check out the Twickenham Posse, as, it, uh, as he'll probably be saying later on. Uh, the Times this morning. No turning back. May threat to EU terror pact. And here's a picture of Tim Barrow uh, handing the Article 50 to Donald Tusk. Why can't she hand it? Why doesn't he have to hand it over? Restaurants put the tea in sobriety. Uh, and also the conned bride who discovered her diamond ring was a fake. Oh, dear. Can anybody tell the difference? That's why I quite like that porn programme, the one where they've got porn brokers. There's one in Richmond. I passed it the other day. It's literally just on the roundabout next to the Chinese takeaway. It's very small, and there's nowhere to park. I don't know where you're supposed to park for this thing. But um, And then there's another one in Weybridge. And it's amazing what people sell, but the bloke who runs it is like a real wide boy. Why, mate? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm thinking, don't you think he could have maybe smartened himself up for the programme? You know, he's got the proverbial shirt slashed open to the navel. He's got a lung-suffering assistant, poor soul. But it's the way he calls everybody mate. All right, mate? Yeah, it's uh, James, mate. Yeah, you know, and all this kind of thing. We had this discussion the other day. We're leaving the European Union. This is Dear President Tusk. And uh, this is front page of the Daily Telegraph today. So, jubilation as Article 50 is finally served, but row breaks out straight away over security. So now you know. And uh, the Financial Times, thank you and goodbye. May sets Brexit clock ticking in letter to Tusk. And The Guardian, EU warns, don't blackmail us. May says no turning back as Article 50 is triggered. Anchored in Brussels, as security put at heart of the exit deal. And uh, other stories that they've got running... 
Well, that's it. That's the whole front page, actually. I've just realised that The Guardian, the whole front page. No turning back at all. Thank you so much for your company this morning. Do it again tomorrow morning. I look forward to your company. I'm here between four and seven, Monday through Friday. We're open every day of the week for you. You can just pop in whenever you like. And uh, you're always very welcome. Plus, we're here on Saturday morning. And don't forget, we've got In Conversation this week on Saturday morning. It's going to be... Our first guest is going to be Jude Law, who's going to be here, and Nigel Planer as well. That'll be Saturday morning between 6 and 7. I don't remember when it was, actually. Best of Steve Allen just before that. You can listen to LBC. Go to the website and download the free LBC app. Uh, Leading Britain's conversation at 10, James O'Brien. But before that, with breakfast, Nick Ferrari. If you enjoyed this podcast, listen to Steve Allen live from 4am Monday to Friday and Saturday and Sunday from 5am.